Okay, let's get started with Perek Zion of Sefer Malachim Beis. And this is the Haftorah for Parshas Mitzorah. This is the story of the four lepers. What happened at the end of the previous Perek? We have the story of Elisha and the terrible famine that is going on. And Yehoram uh, saying to Elisha, it's your fault, it's your fault. After the great miracles that have been experienced earlier, Elisha says, listen, he makes a pronouncement. He says, tomorrow there's going to be tons of food. The price of food is, gonna, is going to uh, go down. There's going to be plenty of food all over the place. And the Shalish, the helper of Yehoram, says that I deny it, you know, even if God opens the windows of heaven, it's never going to happen. And Elisha says, oh yeah, that's what you think? Watch this. You will see it, but you won't get to, you won't get to enjoy it. So that is the background for the beginning of the parak. Interestingly, those two psukim are left out of the Haftorah. You need that to really appreciate the Haftorah, those two psukim. But that is the beginning of our parak. And then the Torah, uh, the Navi tells us as follows. There were four people, four lepers sitting outside the gate, and they said, there was a terrible famine, and the, the the Malchus of Aram was surrounding Shomron, right, the city up north, the capital city of the northern kingdom. And they said to themselves, what are we doing here? Right now we're starving. We can't go into the city. They have no food either. So we might as well go to Aram. You know, might as well. Maybe they'll give us some food, or they'll have some Rachmanus on us. So they go there at night, and they come to the edge, and there's nobody there. Because Hashem had created a tumult the night before, made them think that they were attacking armies, and Aram left in a hurry, they zoomed away and they left their horses and their food and their ca- everything. They left the gold and the silver and the four lepers can't uh, fathom what they're, what they're seeing. They go and they eat some and they take some of the gold and they hide it and they eat some more and they said, well, we better go tell uh, Am Yisrael. We better go back and, 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 and tell them. So what do they do? They get together and uh, decide to go back to the to the uh, to the town, and they go back to the uh, the, the the gatesman because that's all that they're allowed to uh, to go into because they can't go all the way in. As we'll talk about more, and they wake up, they tell the king, the king is woken up, and he doesn't believe them, even though the navi said it was going to happen. And uh, no, he doesn't believe them. And what happens? They go. The, the the king says, okay, let's send a couple of horsemen to test it out because I don't know, maybe Aram is lying in wait and waiting for us to go. So he sends a couple of horsemen, and they come back safely, and everyone realizes that there's a tremendous nace that has occurred. The whole Am starts heading out the gates of the city to the camp of Aram, and there's tons of food, and exactly what Elisha said. The Pakid, the Shalish, is at the gate trying to have crowd control, and he gets trampled, and he dies. And that's exactly what Elisha said was going to happen. He was going to see the amazing plenty that Hashem will bring, but he will not Enjoy it. Another nace wrought by Alicia added to the list as the Malbim and the Barbanel go through each each list. So now let's go back to the beginning of Perak Zion. Beginning of Perak Zion, again, remember the end of the previous Perak. Yehoram had a little bit, not, they didn't believe in the Nevi'im, but he had a little bit of recognition of HaKadosh Baruch Hu being the king, right, the woman who was talking about the fact that they had to eat their own children. He says, what do you want from me? Right, I'm not in charge, and he and he uh, acknowledged that. So maybe that's partly why this nesua was able to occur. So Elisha says, "Shemu Dvar Hashem, Karmar Hashem, Kaes Machar, Soles B'Shekel, Visasayim Sarim B'Shekel, Bashar Shomron." There's going to be very cheap in the gates of Shomron, in the in the prices in the marketplace of Shomron. There's going to be plenty of uh, barley, plenty of uh, plenty of wheat. Vayana Shalish Hashem Amelak Lishan Al Yado. The Shalish says. Will God make these uh, windows in heaven and rain down food? Even if He does, it's not going to be enough. 
Umisham lo tochel, you will not partake of it. You will, you will see it. Why was it so hard to understand? So you might just say he's, uh, he is a brazen and he is uh, denying Hakadosh Baruch Hu, right? There are others. Uh, there is there's a depth to it as well, though. Also, the Gemara tells us in Masechet Sanhedrin that this is the example, a classic example of Mida Kineg and Mida. He does not believe it'll happen, so he's not going to take part in it. Right, the beginning of Parachelek, right at the beginning, the Sadi and Aleph. The, the Mishnah says, if somebody does not believe in Tchias Amesim, then they will not be Zochet to Tchias Amesim. Vakol Kachlama says the uh, says the Gemara. Who covered betchias amesim? Lefichach lo yelo chelak betchias amesim. Shekom idosav shalakadosh baruch hu mida kenegad mida. Every mida of Hashem is mida kenegad mida. Da'am and and the uh, the Sefer Ikarim writes. The Musar Navim here brings that the Sefer Ikarim writes. Rabbi Yosef Albo that that's a gift that Hakadosh Baruch Hu does for us. Because he wants us to know why we're being punished. And he wants us to have commensurate ab- abilities to be able to do better. So that is why Hashem always used, set up the world as a media connected media world. Here, you know, it was death. How do we know all the midas of Hashem are media connected media? So we go to Malachim Beis, Perek Zayin. You'll see the food. And the uh, Shalish says, what are you talking about? And Elisha says in Charoe Beinecha Umisham Lo Tochal, you won't be able to enjoy it. And as we know, he gets trampled. The Gemara says Vidilma, maybe it was just a curse of Elisha. Kill as Elisha Garmale, not Dafka Mida Kedegad Mida. So the Gemara says Imkain Liftov Krova Yer Misuhu Vayamos My Bishar Al Iskeshar on what he spoke about about the pricing. He denied it and says the Gemara that this is the source for Mida Keneged, uh, Mida Keneged Mida. The Meshachachma writes in the end of Mitzorah when he talks about the Haftorah, uh, he relates to this story and he says, why Dafka was this? There's no Mida Keneged Mida earlier in, in history, in Torah, in the, in the Yoshua, Shoftim, Shmuel. There's no other Mida Keneged Mida story. Why is this, um, discussed? So says the Meshachachma in his classic style, Habi'ur. Da teva heimanisim Nature teva is really miracles that we are used to. Constant miracles, as the Ramban talks about at the end of Parshas Bo. Shahabore yisparach mechadesh b'chol yom Hashem recreates every single second. V'chol haolam talui b'ma'amaroshal hakadosh baruch hu. Everything is tali on Hashem. Hashem set it up. David said, David, and, and he set it up, and there is no more, says the Meshachachma. There's no more Yeshmi Ayin in the world. HaKadosh Baruch Hu created Yeshmi Ayin with Maisa Breshis, and now it's all Yeshmi Yesh. Nothing really is born, created, or destroyed. It's just separated or put together. He quotes from Rav Sadiagon, Shekashem She'ein Kolboi Olam Yecholim Levro Yitush Echad, just like nobody could create a mosquito, Kach Ein Yecholom Lechaloso, Rach Lahafrida Murkav. Death is just a separation of the elements that are together. David Melech says, "Hihu Amar Vayehi, Hu Tziva Vayamod." Im Kain says the Meshachachma, "Hamiso He Pirud Hamurkav Liyasodos." Death is when all of our Yasodos separate, and we go back to dirt and earth and more. All the Yasodos, Eish, and what's Tchias Amesim when all those Yasodos come back together? Tchia Hiakibutz Mei Yasodos Es Asher Kfar Hu. Vekatan Hanes Vahapela Mibrias Haadam Ipita Vesrucha. Tchias Amesim is not going to be as great as my Sabrashas. My Sabrashas is Yishmiyai and Mamish. 
Chesam is putting together the parts that are already there. V'zeo sha'amra ma'ita havilu. That's what the Gemara says. Rakal zera gilai and laros v'zela ragil. He quotes the Gemara there in Sanhedrin. So this shalish did not think that Hashem could bring flour and uh, bread and barley, bringing the yisodos all together. So he says, okay, so you're going to die. Your your yisodos are going to be separated. That's the midah keneged midah, and that's why dafka. This is the story that is chosen by the Gemara to illustrate. Illustrate that point. Good. So that's what getting into this uh, story. So that's the uh, promise that Elisha makes. We continue. The Arba Hanashimayim and Sarah. So the four lepers. The Gemara tells us in Mesechasota, the four lepers were Gechazi and his children. They were the four lepers. How did Chazal know that it was Gechazi and his children? A couple of suggestions. Some say that even during when they first went out and they found the uh, food, they didn't just run back. They didn't just take food. They took gold and silver and they hid it. So it's the same Midarah uh, that got them into this problem in the first place. Remember, Gechazi went and took the money from Naaman and swore because he had a taiva for Kesef. So you see here, these Mitzaram still had the taiva. So maybe that's one reason why they, uh, they, uh, Chazal knew that it was, it was, uh, Gechazi. Or others say that uh, all the other Mitzaraim were healed by Elisha. Right, including Naaman, but all the other ones. Mistama also went into the yard and it got healed. Why would these not healed? It must be because Elisha cursed them, and Elisha was the one that created this saras. We'll get back to that, Bedosha. The so there were four men sitting Pesach Hashar. They were sitting at the door of the gate. Why were they at the door of the gate? This is a huge, fascinating discussion in the postgame. What were they doing at the door of the gate? So Pashtus is, because we know a Mitzara has to be sent out of the camp. Out of the ear, uh, Arechom. But this is the Mishnah, a Mishnah, Mishnah in Kalim, quoted by the Rambam, Perak Alphalachazayan of Kalim. Ayara Samukafas Choma, Mikudeshas Mimena, it has more Kedusha than the rest of Eretz Yisrael. Shemeshalchim Mitochan Asamutsarayim. Right, you send out the Mitzoras. Right, says the Bartanura, Miyamos Yoshua bin Nun. Obviously, walls, uh, walled cities from the time of Yeshua bin Nun. Because in Mitzorah, it only says, Mechutzlamachana Moshavo, Chutzlamachana Yisrael. And when Yeshua conquered Eretz Yisrael, he was Makadish, all the Ayaras or Makafas Chomap, to have special Kedusha, so the Mitzorahim have to be outside that city. The Shaila is, the question is, Rabbi Kiveger. The Tosas Rabbi Kiveger on the side of the Mishnahis asks, he quotes a Chacham Echad, who says, but one minute, what city are we talking about here? We're talking about Shomron, the northern capital of Malchi Yisrael. Was that a walled city from the time of Yeshua ben Nun? No, Pashtus. So why were they sitting outside? So why were they sitting outside? So this is a question that has bothered many. So one answer is maybe they were just sitting outside because nobody wanted to be with them. Nobody wanted to get Saras. Wasn't a halachic reason or the the uh, the time of the crowd of Chaim Gideyevsky says, well maybe they don't want them to be matami them, not to uh, to uh, alert uh, allergy or contagious, but some other non halachic reason. Rav uh, Kivayger though himself says no. If you look in the Targum Yonasan, in back in Malachim Aleph on the pasuk that says who built up Shomron Amri Achav's father, he was the one that built up, and that's why he was Zochet to uh to certain merits because he built up a he built up part of Eretz Yisrael. We discussed that then back in Malachim Aleph. So it says there that he rebuilt. That's what the Targum says. Not that he built it, but he rebuilt it. Vayiken and he bought it and he so if he bought it, so that means it was there from before. So maybe in a chinami, maybe Shomron was a walled city from the time of Yoshua bin Nun. So answer number one is maybe it wasn't a halachic reason. Number two, maybe it was it was walled in a chinami from the time of Yoshua bin Nun. The Meshachachma in in uh, the end of Mitzvah again in that same piece that I just read. He suggests well maybe they treated it 
Remember, the kings of Israel, Malchai Yisrael, wanted to treat the northern city as Yerushalayim. They don't want people to go to Yerushalayim. So he says here too, and that's why just like Yerushalayim, the gates did not, in themselves, um, did not have Kedusha, so so too here, they allowed the Mitzvah in by Shomron. So that's another one. Maybe they, they, uh, it was, um, they just treated it that way. But there is a gorgeous answer from, based on Reb Chaim. If you look in the Rambam, when the Rambam quotes his halacha about the Mitzvah going out, it's unbelievable. The Diuk. The Rambam says in Perek Yud Halacha Zayin of Hilchas Thomas Saras, Din HaMitzvah, Sheyiyelo Moshav Levado, Chutz La'ir, Shenemar Mechutz L'Machana Moshavo, V'davar Zeh Ba'ayaras HaMukafas Choma, the Eretz Yisrael Bilvad. This law applies to cities that are walled in Eretz Yisrael. Period. He does not mention Mimos Yeshua Ben Nun. Is he just like, okay, you know what I mean? No, says Reb Chaim, quoted in the Grachal. He doesn't relate it to this uh, story, but the other Achronim related to the story. The Grachal Ashas in Os Ayin Bay says there are two halachas about sending a mitzvah outside the Machanah. There's one din, regular din of Shiluach Tameim, like we know, many Tameim. Some go out of one Machanah, some go out of two Machanahs, so the mitzvah has to go out of three Machanahs. That's one din. But there's another element. There's a special din of Shiluach Mitzorah. Then a mitzvah has a halacha of Badod Yeshev, Michutz Machanah. Moshavo, separate din by Mitzorah. The first element might have been from Yeshua Benun, but this one just has to do with you have to be outside the Machana. Even if it's not from the time of Yeshua Benun, you are a Mitzorah, whether it's the Hashkafic, Lashon Hara, you cause Pirud, you have to be outside of the Achdos of a walled city, you have to be out. Says Reb Chaim, that's not connected to the first din of Shiluach Tameim. So maybe, suggests the Machronim, that's what's happening here too. Shomron was a walled city, not from the time of Yeshua Benun. But to sit outside for this halacha, you have to be, um, you don't have to be a, a wall city from the time of Yeshua Benun. And maybe, they point out, that's why Rashi on the Pasuk says here, Pasuk Hashar, he doesn't quote the mitzvah of Shiluach Tameim. He quotes, Badad Yeshev Michus Lamachana Moshavo. So it's not a din in Hilchas, uh, in, in, in wall cities from the times of Yeshua Benun. So we have many answers given to the question of Pasach Hashar. Okay, we continue. So, so one of the lepers say to the other ones, What are we sitting here until we die? If we go into the city, there's no food in the city. And if we stay here, we also die. What's our only chance? Let's go to Aram. If they let us live, fine. And if they kill us, we didn't lose anything. We're going to die anyway. So they get up, right at twilight, Says the Mitzudah uh, Sion Ba'erev, right? That's Neshev is twilight. The Malbim said the Dafka went then because Hashem's orchestrating the events that the very next day the prices are going to go down, and they go and they see the whole Machna Aram Ein Sham Ish. Nobody's there. Hashem had made them an unbelievable nace, made them think there was a terrible, um, unbelievable army attacking them, and they all left, they ran away. They made a, they have a bunch of different, uh, um, other nations that are fighting with them, and they left. The Ahaleim, Susayim, Chamorim, they left everything, they ran away. They come. They come to one ten. They take everything. So as we mentioned before, if there's these gechazi's children and gechazi, they still didn't learn their lesson. They still have that taiva. The same thing that got them into the problem. They can't get over it. Today's the today's good luck. 
We have to go. We can't keep quiet. We have to go tell the king. So they come back. Nobody's there. Go, go tell the king. So this nace, the Yeshua for Klal Yisrael, is wrought through these four mitzoraim. And that is also a question that has bothered the Achronim. Why did Hashem bring this tremendous Yeshua through the through these lepers? Right, he couldn't bring it through a, a more kadosh uh, avenue. So, Yonas and Ibishitz, in the Avas Yonas on Anaf Torahs, says, So he says, the Gemara tells us, There's a Chazal, David HaMelech, Mashiach's not coming unless the door is totally uh, meriting or totally chayev. So he says, totally merit, fine, you understand. That's uh, Achishena. But what do you mean, Kulo Chayev? It has to be the worst? So says the Avas Yonasam, because sometimes when Klai Yisrael are so, so low, Hashem doesn't have a choice. He's just got to bring it, uh, the Yeshua, like in Mitzrayim. The 49th level of Tomah, who would have been there another second, boom. No, so Hashem had to give it, even though we didn't have any Zchuyos. Right, that he said, So too, a mitzorah, a mitzorah, as we know, that if a mitzorah is totally covered in saras, tarhu, then we don't totally drive him away. So here too, because B'nai Yisrael were so gone, the Vadek, Yisrael Chayavim Kliya, Veru'uyim Lepuranis Chas V'Shalom, we're really, because we're over the Avadazara, Hashem destroys us up until but not totally. And then, though, he brings the Yeshua through these mitzaram, so we know we're not really deserving, but he's just giving us the Yeshua, so hopefully we will come back to him. But there's another idea of why HaKadosh Baruch Hu brought the Yeshua through these people. The Mishmet Zosav says it in one way, that we should never give up. We know the Gemara Soda tells us that Elisha gave up on Gechazi, and he threw him away, and he was Doche Bishtei Yadayim, right, and that's what the Gemara says, you have to have Yimin Mekarev, this small Doche, Yimin Mekareves, but the, uh, and he did it, so maybe the message is that you can't give up on anybody, and Hashem will bring a Yeshua through anybody. Rav Aaron Salvechik, in his uh, Sefer, Logic of the Heart, Logic of the Mind, he talks about this in the context of Medina Yisrael. He says, there are those that argue that the results of such leadership, meaning people who are anti-Torah and anti-religious, cannot be of great historical significance to the Jewish people. It can't be. There's anything good that's going to come out of it, because look who started the state. And Ravarin continues quoting this story, and he says, look at the story. This episode shows that no Jew could be excluded from the grace of God. Yisrael Yisraelu. It shows that God does not exclude any Jew from salvation, and he may therefore designate even spiritual outcasts as the messengers of relief and deliverance for the Jewish people. So, consequently, we cannot ignore the significance of the establishment of the state of Israel simply because Jews who stand a substantial distance from any form of observance of mitzvot were at the forefront of founding the state. A very crucial point. Again, he talks about other issues as well in there, but that is Rav Aaron. Even before him, earlier, before the state, we have Rav Tachtel in the name of Adam Smecha, who more than once in the Sefer goes through, just because he was uh, he was killed in the Holocaust, but before, even though the, the Shivat Zion involved many people who, again, were anti-Torah, anti-religious, that does not mean it becomes trafe and puzzle, Rav Tachtel explains, Kodesh Barakho many times brings gifts through through unseemly, unseemly covers. And this, again, is another example of, uh, of that idea. So back to the story. So the Shoarim, they come to the Shoarim and they tell them, go tell the king. They come to the king and tell him. And the king, though it was forecast, though there was a prophecy, his rishus does not let him to believe. But I know what they're going to happen. They know we're starving. We're going to come out. 
Yadu ki re'evim anachnu. Vayetzum an amachna lecha ve'basad elemar. Ki yetzum an irvin itvaseim chayim. We'll get them alive. And they said, you know what? It can't hurt. Just send a couple of horses. So they find a couple of horses. There were five and then there were two. They sent two horses. And they saw Mamish that it was true. They told the king. They pillage. Not pillage. They uh, spoil. They take all the spoils. Exactly what Elisha said the day before. Everything was very cheap. The king put the shalish at the door of the gate for crowd control. And they trample him to death exactly as Elisha, exactly as Elisha had said. It's amazing. The, uh, the Mishpat Zazav also points out that Rashi quotes on the Az Yashir, that usually if you have a king, he's doing Hatzalah or he's doing Onesh. You can't do them at the same time. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu can, the Yemin HaMashem, that's exactly what happens here. The Yemin of HaKadosh Baruch Hu was involved Right, in the, the, the salvation, and at the same point of the salvation, there was the <coughs> Onesh on this Shalish that it did not believe. <speaking in Hebrew> Rashi says they are in in Parshas B'Shalach. So that's what happened here. That he was he was uh, killed because of his impudence to the Navi to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, uh, and that's what we learn from uh, this idea. One other horror, and that is maybe part of his mistake was if you're Medayik. So one of the Achronim points out that the uh, there's a di- switch in Lashon. First in the first earlier part, it had barley, then wheat, then wheat, then barley. Barley is animal food, and wheat is obviously u- for human consumption. So maybe part of what he was uh, suggesting was that he understood that the Jews weren't on a level to be zochet to a nace, and what it was like barley, which is animal food. Because Rabbi was going to bring a nace for a, for an animal, for people on the level of animals, and that's what he didn't believe. And the answer is that Kadosh Baruch Hu could do nisim for anybody. And there were tzaddikim that were hidden that uh, that the kings didn't know about. As we know, there were some uh, bnei hanavim. So either way, he was uh, denied a Kadosh Baruch Hu. He's somewhat of a blasphemer, and therefore he he uh, had his due. And the haftorah and the parak ends off ha'am bashar vayamos. And he and he died. If you look at the time of the Kra and others, he discusses also why is it that the Haftorah ends this way. Usually, ain go you're not allowed to uh, be Messiah with a davara. So how we allowed to end the Haftorah this way? And the answer is it's not ra to have mita connected mita for a Russia to get his due. That is not considered ra. Says Rav Chaim Kanievsky here in the time of the Kra. The Rams also Baham Bashar Umais Rosh and his Kaima Navua. It was a Kim of Navua Salisha. Visha Asar Hayalo the Fakpake. Uba Vadaik Shah Lamus. And Mistama, he even adds, when he was dying, he probably did Shuva, because he realized what was happening. Khazab Chuvo Bikesh de Misaso Kaparaso, Vinimsa Shabakamar Misaso Nigmar Kaparaso, right with Dalakapskus, what he did at the end of the last few seconds of his life. Ukilu Hevichatas Vinaskaper, Vizekfar Dover Tov, Velachain, Misaimin. Okay, that takes us through Parag Zion as we continue these these uh, amazingly exciting prakim of Elisha. Okay, let's get into today's parak, and that is Malachim Bey's parak Ches. 
as we are drawing the days of Elisha to a close, as the Abarbanel points out in this parak, uh, the Nisim, the 18 Nisim in his uh, counting that he has done is uh, is coming to a close as we near the uh, destruction of Malche, of the Malchus of, of Yisrael, as we will see. But the parak starts off with Elisha uh, talking to the woman who he did Chiasamesim for her son. So this conversation actually took place a number of years before, but Elisha had told, that's the way, the best way to translate this, Elisha had told the woman that there's going to be a seven-year famine, so she should leave Eretz Yisrael. So she left Eretz Yisrael, Canaan, Eretz Yisrael, and went to the land of the Plishtim. After the seven years, she comes back in, and she comes back to Eretz Yisrael exactly at the moment that the uh, king, Yehoram, is talking to Gehazi, and he was asking Gehazi, tell me about some of the Nisim that Elisha has done. Elisha's telling him, and Elisha reports about the Tchias that Elisha did for the uh, woman and her child. And right then the woman walks in and says, oh, you know what, I've been away. King, could you please help me get back my land, my house, which has been taken. So he takes it as a simon that... This is what he should do, so he gets her back her property. That is part one of the parak. Then part two of the parak, we have Elisha going to Damascus. Elisha goes to Damascus, and the king of Aram, who has been the enemy of Kal Yisrael all these years, uh, is Cholet. <laughs> he hears that the Ishalokim is coming, and he sends his trusted messenger, Chazael, go take a present. They all respected the Ishalokim. Go take a present and seek him out and ask him, am I going to live? Chazal comes to him and brings the presents and called Tuv Damesek. He takes him 40 camel loads of, of, of fruit. And he says, the king of Aram, Ben-Hadad, has sent me. He wants to know if he's going to live from this holy. Elisha says, Elisha has one of the reasons, as we'll see, as he was sent here, is to tell Chazal that he's going to be the king, fulfilling Elio's uh, uh, message. So Elisha says to him, he is not going to live, um, not clear 100% in the Psukim. We'll read it, Be'ez Hashem. Um, but... The message is that you shouldn't tell him that he's going to die, but he is going to die. And then all of a sudden, Elisha turns to his face to the side and starts crying. And Chazal says, why are you crying? Elisha says, because I see what you're going to do to Klai Yisrael in the future. You're going to become the king. You're going to destroy them. You're going to kill their babies. You're going to kill their pregnant women. And Chazal says, what do you mean? I'm just an Eved. Elisha says, you are going to be the king. Elisha turns around and Chazal turns around, and the next day uh, has a hand in the death of the king of Ben-Hadad. He puts some type of towel on him, maybe he suffocates him, maybe he just makes him sick. Either way, Chazal takes over and being the king. And the parak just ends off with the changing of the guard. Yehoram Ben-Achav and Yehoshaphat Ben-Yehudu were kings at the same time, but then Yehoram Ben-Yehoshaphat took over. As we mentioned, two Yehorams were king at the same time. Uh, they both were did not act uh, well in the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, of Ayelah B'derech Malchi Yisrael. At this time, in Yehoram's time, the Jews followed. Malchi Yehuda even followed their brethren Malchi Yisrael. Why? It was even an intermarriage. Yehoram, the son of Yoshaphat, married the daughter of Achav, right, bringing the, the holy uh, Malchi Yehuda together with Malchi Yisrael. And there were enemies, and Edom attacked Malchi Yehuda, and Ammon attacked Malchi Yisrael. And the parak ends off by saying, Yoram, the son of Achav, got sick, a terrible illness, and he died. And his son Achazio took over, who was also a terrible king. And the 
Perak ends off by saying that they were sick, and Yoram ben Achav went out to war with Chazael, and he, uh, the earlier Yoram of, of Malchi Yehuda had died, and Yoram ben Achav was very sick at the end of this parak. Okay, so that's the parak as we near the end of the stories of Elio and Elisha, and Achav and Achav's family, really coming back to finish up the stories from the end of Malachim Aleph, of Achav's family going to be wiped out, it's coming up very soon. So here we go at the beginning of the of the parak. Elisha diber Elisha Asherhechi is Lemar. Elisha is talking to the woman, as Rashi, the Radak, point out here. This conversation must have taken place seven years earlier, because we already learned uh, recently, two prakim ago, how women were already eating their babies. It was already terrible. It was already many years into the famine. So this story, at least this conversation, took place earlier. Elisha told her, "Kumu lechi atu Viguri Baasher Taguri. Go live somewhere. Don't live here. Kikara Shemla Vagamba El Haaret Sheva Shanim. There's gonna be a famine here for seven years. Seven is always a unit of time. That's always the number given. So she goes, Vatakama Isha Vatas Kidvar Isha Lokim. She goes, Vatelachi Ubesa, Vatagur Baris Plishtim Sheva Shanim. She's there for seven years. The Malbim points out that the Pasa keeps repeating. She goes based on what the Navi said, based on what the Navi said. What's the emphasis? Kiba Atzma Lohaisa Yotseis me Eretz Yisrael Chutz Laaretz. Because she herself wouldn't have gone. Balteonesh Kemo Shenenash Eli Melech. Wasn't so long ago. There was a very famous man, Eli Melech and Naomi, and everybody knew what happened then. Bifrat Shagam Hiyaisa Isha Chashuva Ragacha Shahaya Pinavi and she went because the Navi told her to go, but not that she would have gone uh, herself um, if she didn't hear it from the Navi. Interesting line in the Rambam. Maybe it should be more famous than it is. The Rambam in Malachim, in the end of Parak Halachates, the Rambam there has the Halachis, Asr Latis Meriti Sarla Chutzlaris the Olam. You're never allowed to leave Eretz Yisrael going to Chutzlaris except for certain reasons. Ela Lomo Torah, Olisa Isha, Ola Hatzel Miata Goyim Yachzer Laaretz, or to be saved. Then you can, you can also go out for business. Unless there's a very, very strong famine, one can't go out. And then the Rambam adds, Even though it's mutter to go out in these cases, Eina midas chasidus. Shahari Machlon Vikilyon, Shneig Doli Adarayu, Mipitsara Gadola Yatsu, Vinishaivu Klialamako. Unbelievable. Because they didn't fulfill the Midas Hasidus, maybe because people watched them, people acknowledged them, they were a model for others. They were Gdoli Hador, the Rambam calls them. And they were Chayv Klia because they left Eretz Yisrael. And that is the Rambam, that it only one, one can only leave Eretz Yisrael for, for very good reasons. So, that's why she was worried, and that's why she only went, according to the Malbim, because the Navi told her to go. So what happens? She left, and then she is about to she is about to come back. It is interesting. Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky points out, you know, there was a famine for seven years. Don't we know that Mishnah tells us in Rosh Hashanah that we're the, on Yantif, Pepesach, and Yidon, and Alatvua, it's not going to be. Every year you're judged on on uh, Tfua, judged on Mayims. How could it be Nikva today? Something that's going to happen for the next seven years. Number one, it was such a terrible 
uh, time of sin that it was Nixar already for seven years. Yes, every year on Pesach, it was going to be decided the Pratim. How bad was it going to be? And who's going to have some? And who's going to have none? So, the details. But it was so bad. But obviously, says Rabbi Yaakov, Barur, Shem Hayu Chosrim B'Tshuva Haisa Mispatelas HaGzeira B'Pesach Shalashanahi Shachazer Bohem. The Gzeira would have been Nisbatel if they would have done Shuva at that time. So it was seven years. It was supposed to be seven years. But it could have been undone had they done Shuva, which they did not. And now it's at the end of the seven years. She comes back from the land of the Plishtim, which clearly did not have a famine, but she wasn't interested in staying there any longer. She starts screaming at the king, about her house, about her field. The Echronim will discuss, based on the Radak already brings it up here. Halachically, what type of claim did she have? They had a cheskas gimel shanim. She didn't complain about it, so she didn't make a mecha. Aye, but it was a chazaka based on the fact that it was dangerous, it was a famine. Cheskas boreach, the uh, Radak talks about here. So the Echron discussed it in Baba Basra, exactly what was her claim on her on her house, on her field, for, based on this Pasuk. Right at that moment, he with the king was talking to Gechazi, Nar Ish Elohim, Lemar, Sapran Ali has called Please tell me. Tell me about all the miracles. The question is, how did he was not an Elisha fan? How did Yehoram all of a sudden start asking Gechazi about Elisha? So the Barbanel says it must be because he was asking him about his Saras. He was asking, he says, what do you have Saras for? Right? There wasn't, and he says, oh, I have Saras because Naaman had Saras and Elisha gave it to me. So that opened up the Pesach. He knew, the king knew about all the open miracles that Elisha had done. There were many of them. But the personal miracles he might not have known about. How did that happen? And that's why they started talking about all the private nisim that had taken place with the oil and with the ishashunamis and the and the trias uh, And he says that's the reference of gdolos because. Uh, Tchizamesim is a uh, certain type of of nace. He's called Gdolos Asheras Elisha. It's alluding to, it's alluding to that. The Abarbanel. Once we have this open here, the Abarbanel says this concludes the miracles and the niflaos of Elisha. Maybe this last one. Nothing happened here. It just it just so happened that she happened to come in at this moment in time. That's not an open miracle. But he says if you do the math, if you count them all up, there are eighteen miracles. Even though Chazal only says 16, according to the Pshat of the Ksuvim, there are 18. And if one wants a review, right here on the Barbanel, page Tafresh Chavav, in the classic Barbanel edition, he lists off all of the 18 miracles. I'm not going to list them, but I'm going to mention one thing he says after that. And that is, he says there are four elements to a miracle that make it a miracle. And not every miracle has all the elements, but the miracles of Elisha altogether have all four elements. Number one is that a miracle could be davar vihipucho. It doesn't make sense. It's not logical. Mitzad atzmam wrote within itself, it's a miracle. Number two is going to be it's against nature. But number one is it's within itself. There are opposite elements that happen, like all the Makos in Mitzrayim. It killed these animals and it saved these animals. It was dark here and it was light there. There was blood here and there was water there. That's the uh, 
amazing miracle of Dam and Sfardeh and all the Makos that it, would, it did opposite things. So he says, so too with Nisi Elisha. He removed the Tsaras from Naaman and he gave the Tsaras to Gechazi. He opened the eyes of the young uh, Nar to see the fiery um, guards around the city in which they were and he blinded the eyes of the Gayim so that they couldn't see. Right, everything is, he killed the, the kids that made fun of him, and he saved the lives of the Bnei Nevi'im, that says it's Mavis Basir, right, and uh, the uh, poison that had gone in. Number one, inherent contradictions. Number two, Abachina Hashniya, who may atzmo ha-pu'ulos va'ofen ma'isa al-achas mehem ba'atzma, kasher yiu magios al-zulas ha-seder ha-tivi. Against nature, right, water usually goes down, a fire goes up, he brought fire down, and water and water he he split. Among others, he made when he went with the the Navi lost his axe head, so he made wood uh sink, he made metal float, right? All different uh which is also opposites, but it's also against against nature. Number three, Yasa Navi A Navi declares something and it happens. This is going to happen. Like Moshe did once, like Yoshua did, alone. This is what Elio and Elisha did numerous times. Like And finally, the fourth one is where a kli is used in order to to perform the nace. Right, Elisha threw in uh, salt, salty uh, items in order to make it sweet. Right? A lot of different. Uh, um, other other examples. Either way, that's the Abarbanel Tafresh Chavav Zayin on our parak, where he summarizes all the nisim and the elements of Elisha. So let's continue now back to the parak. So what happens right when the uh, the king is talking to Gechazi about this woman? All of a sudden, the woman walks in. Woman walks in, says the Navi v'yemar Gechazi Adoni Melach Zosa Isha v'Zeber Asherach Elisha v'Yishal Melach Elisha v'Yisaperlo v'Yitin La Melach Saris Echad Lemar. The king gives her a Saris to take care of her. A Saris is a eunuch. What? What? How does, do we have any of those in in uh, Klal Yisrael? The Radak says maybe it was someone who was who was uh, became this Taris Me'elav, or maybe he got it from the they bought it from the bought him. From uh, it was a non-Jew originally. Or Yaakov Kabaneski says, no, maybe they were a chote in this regard, right? Izevel brought all of this uh, behavior. Maybe she brought this too. And what happens? The Sris makes sure she gets everything back. Fine. Vayavo Elisha Damasek. Elisha comes to Damascus. And the Shaila is, what is he doing in Damasek? So the Pashtus is, if you just look at the Psukim, and this is what the Radak says, that Eliyahu had told him that he, or Kadesh Baruch Hu, also through Eliyahu, told him that he was going to have to be Moshech Chazael. Eliyahu did not have a chance to do it. Go tell Chazal that he was going to be the king, and he was going to uh, destroy, basically, Malchi Yisrael, as we will see. So that's the Pashtus of the Psukim. But Chazal have a different idea. The Gemara Mesech Asota, Mem Zion says that Elisha was going to try to be Machzir Gechazi Bitshuva. After all, says the Gemara, Mem Zion Amaral, Vayilch Elisha Damasek, Lama Halach, Amar Biochanan, Shalach Lachzir Legechazi Bitshuva, Velo Chazar, didn't want to listen, Amar Lo Chazar Becha. He says to Gechazi, come to Tshuva. Amar Lo Kach Mekubal Nimimchai, Ave Mesora, Kol Mishachata Vehechti Yisarabim, Ein Maspikin Biyadolaso Tshuva. Anyone who sins and caused others to sin, they're not going to be able to do tshuva. Right? In the Psukim, doesn't talk about how he was machti. Mostly just chote. He had a couple of sins. Where was he machti? So that's why the Gemara 
discusses my other. What did he do? Ikadamri Evan show Eves Talolo Lachatos Yeravam. Remember, Yeravam and Avad had made these golden calves up north, so he put a type of magnet in the. Um, by the Egel, the Amida, Meshavaretz, who he was able to lift it up and make, and pretend that it was floating between Shemayim Varetz. Vigadamri Shem Chachaglopume, or he carved out Shem Hashem on the mouth of the Egel, Vaisomeris, and Ochiva Loyelachet, it was talking. Vigadamri, Rabban and Dachamikame, or third, right, maybe it was the idea that he didn't let the rabbis in. Remember when he left, all the rabbis came in and there was no room, and they had to make more, more room. So, three reasons. It seems like it's going Minakalakave, which means the worst is that he caused people not to be able to, to learn Torah. But he says, no, um, there's no way I'm coming back. Elisha, originally, the Gemara says, faulted Elisha, because this was an example of uh, he pushed him away, but now he's trying to get him back to do tshuva, and he is not he is not coming back. What is Amos Pekin Biyado? The Rambam and the, the Pirish Mishnai and Pirkeyavo said it just means that he doesn't have siyua. It was a mistake. He could have done tshuva. Right, there's never a time. Even the Rambam, the Rambam in Hilchus Shuva, where he discusses all the people that don't have Olam Haba. The Rambam talks about this in Parak Hay, where he says, Paragimel, I'm sorry. The Rambam in Paragimel talks about, these. So one of them on the list are those who are Machti the Rabbim. Right, people who cause others to do Shuva. Uh, uh, do But if you keep reading the Rambam after he lists off, who's Apikarsim, who's Minim, who's Meshumadim, who are all of these people, who are Mosrim, who are Matile Ema Alatzibor, all the Rambam lists them all off. And then at the end of the parak he says, "Bamed varamamurim kishakolech and meelu enlo chelok olam haba bishemais below tshuva avalim shav mi risho umais vuhu bal tshuva harizemi bnei haolam haba." You're a Ben Olam Abba. Ah, you might have to burn for what we did. But we're a Ben Olam Abba. She'ein l'cha davresh omei b'vnei ha-tshuva. Afilu kafar b'ikr kal yamav. U'ba'achrona shav yesh lo chelek. She'neemar shalom shalom l'arachok v'lakarov. Amar Hashem u'rfasiv. Right, at the end. And that's and also the Mepharsha point out. Acher made the same mistake. Right, Acher, here's all the, the baskals. Shuva b'adam shavim chutz me'acher. The Gemara Chagiga. And here's all the psukim from the children. He thinks, I'm finished. No, he could have done. Revarin Salvation's lashon that we mentioned in the past. Acher can't do tshuva, but Elisha ben Avuya can do tshuva. Or he doesn't have the special siyata the shmaya of doing tshuva, but from uh, the help from Hashem. But he definitely can do tshuva. That's why he was held accountable. So here too, Gechazi made the mistake. Uh, but that's according to Chazal why Elisha had gone to Damascus to be able to get him to to do tshuva. Either way, Ben Hadad Melech Aram is sick. And he hears the the, the Ishalakim is coming, so he sends Chazoyel, go take with you a present, a mincha, valech legras, Ishalakim. And go see, ask him whether I'm going to leave from this, live from this illness. He takes all of these wonderful things, and it sounds like, doesn't say anywhere, that Elisha rejected the presents. It sounds like he took the presents here, which bothers the Mepharshim, because earlier we know, by Naaman, Elisha refused. That's what Gakechazi into all the trouble. So if he refused there, so why is this any different? Different suggestions given. If you look in the Mishmets of Zav, he has an interesting uh, suggestion where he says possibly uh, earlier by Naaman, after the healing, he gave the presents. So it was like payment for the healing. He's not taking any payment. Here, he's just giving him presents. Al's covered. Covered to the Ishalakim. 
So that's okay. That's a Kavada Torah, Kavada Navi. And therefore, maybe he would, that was, that's why he would be able to accept it. Either way, he comes, Vayomer. Bincha ben Adad melacharam shlochani elecha. The, your, your son, ben Adad, a very muchna, very lowly way of speaking, lowering himself in front of the Ishalokim. He asks, Ha'echem echalizeh. Right, this even could be a kitrug to Klai Yisrael who didn't follow the Navi. Right, he, even the Goyim, uh, are treating the Navi in a, in a chashiv way. So he says, am I gonna live? And then there's a very uh, ambiguous, intriguing pasuk. Pasuk Yud. Go say lo. This is a Korean exif. Lo chayotichya. So if you read the exif, it's lo chayo. If uh, if you the Cree, let's start off lo. Go tell him chayotichya. That's on one level. Elisha tells Chazael, go tell him he's going to live, meaning lie to him. But you could also read it lo aleph lo. He's not going to live. But that's what I'm telling you. That's what I'm telling you. Or the way the Radak understands it is that he's going to live from this illness, but he's not going to live. And he's alluding to him that Chazal could take his, the take the law into his own hands, and he should know that he's going to be the he's going to be the king. Because Hashem has shown me that he's going to die. And then he turns his face away. And he cries. Why are you crying? Emotion. I have to give you a, a nevuah now. But I know what you are going to do to my people. Even though he was very upset about their sins, he loved them. You're going to do be two terrible things. You're going to kill people. You're going to smash people. Terrible. And Chazoel doesn't act shocked even. Doesn't say like, oh, what a terrible thing. He says, what do you mean? I'm only an Eved. He's not, he, he wishes he could do that, but he says, And that's what happens. Elisha goes, he comes to his master. Ben-Adad says, what Elisha says, He tells me you're going to live. But the very next day, he takes a machber, some type of towel, he puts it in water, he puts it on his face, on Ben-Adad's face. It's not clear whether he did something with the temperatures, cold, hot, or he suffocated him. But either way, he caused the death of Ben-Hadad, Vayamos, Vayimlach, Chazoel, Tachtav, and he took over. It's an interesting ha'ara uh, that Elisha was crying. So why was he crying now? So he could just be crying because he sees the future. But it could also be related to Yerushalmi. Yerushalmi tells us in Mesechez Moed Katan, uh, there is a Deya. We know the Rashi quotes in Parshas Noach on the Pasik that in another seven days I'm going to bring the Mabel. So what does Rashi say there? Rashi says because these were the seven days of Shivas Mesushalach, so we don't want the Tzaddik to have the Shiva to be broken, so it's that, that's the seven days, and then there's going to be another Mabel. But the Yushami Moikan has a different shot. Hashem was sitting Shiva for the world. Hashem was being Miss Abel for the world. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Hisabel al Olamo, Shivas Yamim Kodem Amabel. And I asked the Yerushalmi, Vichimis Alam al Ames Kodem Shiyamus. Right? Do you, uh, do you sit Shiva before the person dies? And the Yerushalmi answers, Basar Vadam She'enu Yodea Ma'asid Lios. A person can't sit Shiva before he, because he doesn't know the future. Enu Miss Abel Ashiyamus Hames. So he has to wait. Abel HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Shihu Yodea Ma'asid Lios, Miss Babel al Ha'asid. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows. So therefore, he gets hit shiva right beforehand. And that's similar to, where do we have this? David HaMelech. David HaMelech, as his son was dying, he was already sitting on the floor in shiva, the, the little boy, when he was told by the Navi. He was called by Nasana Navi that this child from Bat Sheva is going to die. So he sat shiva right after the boy dies, he gets up, he washes himself. 
Because there too, because he was a Navi, he knew. So here too, maybe, Elisha is kind of like mourning beforehand, because he knows it is going to, it is going to happen. Okay. So, Bishas Chamesh, so then the end of the parak lists off the, uh, dates, the fifth year of Yoram ben Achav, Melech Yisrael, and Yehoshaphat ben Yehud, uh, Yehosh, uh, Melech Yehuda, Malach Yoram ben Yehoshaphat, Yehoram takes over. We mentioned in the past, Rashi quotes it again here, that Yehoshaphat was Mamlech his son. To work out the, the years, he was Mamlech his son two years before he died. Before Yehoshaphat died, he was already Mamlech his son Yehoram, so there was an overlap between the two Yehorams. And it says that Yehoram ben Yehoshaphat was king when he was 32 years old. And he was king for eight years. First time that we have now a very wicked Melech Yisrael. Right, all the other ones were okay, and even Sadiqim, some of them. But it's the first time that we have it. And as Chazal tell us, when Yisrael Yehuda goes down, then Edom goes up. Right, Esav and Yaakov have the inverse relationship, and therefore that's why once he's going down, Edom's going to attack. Part of the problem is, as the pasuk says, pasuk Yerches. Bas Achav Isha. He, Yehoram ben Yehoshaphat, married the daughter of Achav. So Achav and Izebel were Yehoram from Malchi Yehuda, his in-laws. Imagine the effect that they had on him. Hashem. The law of Hashem says Yehuda Hashem didn't want to destroy Yehuda. He promised David Amelach he can That's not going to uh, be totally uh, wiped out. And therefore he stayed with him, even though they were going to be uh, hurt and attacked, but Hashem did protect them. Edom attacked them, they attacked back, Edom attacked them and gave them Saris, Ada Yomazeh, the Pasuk says. The Yasser Divra Yoram the rest of the, the days and the actions of Yoram, son of Yoshafat Arin and Divra Yamim, Lamalche Yehuda. The Abarbanel points out here that if you look in in uh in Divrei Hayamim, there's a lot more that's not quoted here, right? One of them is that Yoram, Horam had killed out all of his brothers. He didn't want a chance to, he didn't want to take any chances in terms of a rebellion. He killed out a ton of people. It was terrible. And then it even says that he got a letter from Eliyahu saying, your dynasty is going to be wiped out. Not your, not, uh, not your dynasty totally, but your family and you're going to be punished for it. Uh, and, uh, Barbanel here says, interesting from Elio. Elio is not around anymore. He sent a letter from Shemayim. By the way, that's that's where the phrase Mikhtav Me Eliyahu comes from, right? The name of Rav Deslo's farm. So it comes from the letter that Elio sent to Yehoram about what was going to happen. Either way, he dies, he's buried in Ir David. Rashi says he was not buried in the Kivros Malachim in Ir David because he was not Zohar to be put there. And Ahaziyahu, the son of Yehoram, the grandson of Yehoshaphat, takes over. Then we go back to the other Yehoram, Yoram. Now he's called Yoram without the hay. Maybe it's uh, also reflecting his uh, lowliness. Yoram ben Achav goes out. He's king with Ahaziyahu, the son of Yoram of Yehuda. And he goes and... He fights Amon. He fights Aram. He doesn't ask anybody, is it a good idea, not a good idea. He goes to fight Aram. He is hit. He is wounded. And he goes back to try to get heals. This is already leading up to the downfall, the final downfall of uh, of this time period in history. Okay, we'll have to stop here. Before we get to next time, more exciting uh, Prakim relating to Elisha and everything that he accomplishes. Okay, Malachim Bey's Perek Tess, as we continue our journey through Jewish history, through Tanakh, uh, which is not as, as uh, a history book, but it's a Sifri Nevuah, history of Nevuah, and we have the story of Elisha 
continuing to fulfill what Elio had commanded him. In this parak, we have the downfall, finally, the beginning of the downfall of the house of Achav. Hashem had told Elio prokim ago that Achav and his family was going to be decimated because of what he did to all the Nevi'im and all of what he did to uh, Novos. And then Achav did a little bit of tshuva, and therefore it didn't happen in his lifetime, but now it's happening uh, in his son's and his grandson's uh, lifetime. So what happens? Elisha calls one of the Nevi'im. Uh, over and says, gird your loins, get ready, take some oil, and go to Ramos Gilad. And you'll go there and you will appoint Yehu ben Yehoshaphat ben Imshi to be the king of Yisrael. Right, taking over the house of Achav's position. In the previous parak, we had Elisha appointing Chazael of Aram, the enemy from the outside, that was going to take care of Yehoram, and now it's the enemy from the inside, uh, the second part of what Hashem had told Elio to do, appointing Yehu. So he goes to Yehu, he goes to the to the camp, he takes some oil with him, and <laughs> he uh, he is told to go there by Elisha, but Elisha tells him, do it in private, and right after you do it, run away. Because if Yehoram hears about it, that Yehu is going to be the next king of Yisrael, then he's going to have your head. That's what he does. He goes, he takes the oil, he comes to the group, and he says, I have a message. And uh, Yehu says, who do you have to speak to? And he says, I have to speak to you. So he takes him in private, he pours oil on his head, he says, Komar Hashem, Hashem says, you will be the next king of Israel, you will wipe out the house of Achav, and you will take revenge because of what Achav and Izevel did to to uh, Am Yisrael. But Asadis Beisachav Kibesi Ravam, it'll be destroyed like the house of Yeravam, the house of Basha, and Izevel as well, the wicked wife of Achav, will be killed and eaten by the dogs, and he runs out. Yehu goes out now to the back to his friends, and they say, no, what happened? What did that guy say? He says, nothing, nothing, nothing. He says, no, he said something, tell us. And Yehu says, okay, fine. He said that I'm going to be the next king of Israel. And all of a sudden, they accept him as the king very quickly. They they uh, trust that's what's going to be. They blow shofar and they say, Malach Yehu. And what happens now, it's time for him to start being the uh, king or acting like a king. He goes to a Yehoram, is sick and trying to recuperate from the attack that he suffered in Aram, as we learned in the last parak. And it just so happens to be that uh, Ahaziah, the king of Yehuda, is also there, who also is going to be punished. He's visiting him, his cousin, because we know that uh, he married into Ahav's family, and they come, and they are marching there. They are seen from the outside. They send messengers to know, is he coming in peace? Is he coming in peace? He doesn't say a word. He comes there, and as they get closer, they realize that it is uh, uh, Yehu that is coming, and he does not look like he is coming in peace. They try to run away. Yehu takes an arrow, and he shoots Yehoram, I'm sorry, he shoots, um, yes, Yehoram Melech Yisrael, the son of Achav, and he is shot between the shoulders, and the arrow goes right into his heart, and he dies on the spot. His body is thrown into none other than the field of Navos. That's exactly where he was killed, and that's where Hashem said that his blood will lie uh, in the field, Mida Kenegan Mida, and that's even uh, noted by Yehu, because Yehu knew, and he, he knew of the Nevuah of Elio, that his family was going to be killed here. And then, after that, Achazio is running away, they catch up to Achazio, the king of Yehuda, and he is also killed, so the two kings are now uh, finished with, and Yehu is the one that is left. Then, Yehu has some unfinished business yet still. He goes back to Yisrael, and he goes to Izevel. Izevel is still alive at the time. She tries to dress up. She tries, looks out the window, and she tries to maybe seduce. And Yehu is there, and she says, everything okay? Uh, Hashalom, Zimri Oregadona, very interesting phrase we'll have to talk about. She looks out, and Yehu looks up and says, who's there with me? 
as if to say, who's on my side? And there are some officers who say, we're here. And he says, push her out the window. She gets pushed out the window. She dies on the spot. And she is left there. Eo goes inside to have a suda. And he says, oh, you know what? You know what? Izebel is uh, from royalty, from the other nations. So we might as well bury her. They go out and there's nothing really left of her body. The dogs have taken it already. Pretty graphic. The only things that are left are her hands and her feet uh, that she did a little bit of mitzvahs with. That's exactly what Hashem said the prophecy would be after she has killed so many prophets, so many of the Hashem, even after Elio Bahar Carmel. She is the reason why that didn't make more of an impression on her husband, Achav, and on the rest of Klal Yisrael. Okay, another parak, Malchus Yisrael on the way down, but it's really a fulfillment. It's a parak that we learned about Nida Kenegad Mida. Kaddish Baruch Hu is in charge, and even if it's generations later, Kaddish Baruch Hu is going to make sure that everybody gets their schar and everybody gets their everybody gets their onesh. So we begin the parak now with Elisha. Elisha Navi. As we mentioned in the preview, he has two appointments to make. Chazal was in the last parak, and now he has another appointment. Elisha calls to one of the B'nai Anavim, which Rashi quotes Chazal as Yonah. Yonah was one of his Talmidim. Yonah, according to Chazal, was the one that lost his axe in the water earlier. The axe head, and he brought it up for him. Elisha says, get ready, I'm sending you on a mission. Elisha Pashas didn't go himself, because he didn't want to make. Everybody knew who Elisha was. If he's going to Yehu, they're going to know something's up. He sends Yonah, who was an unknown at the time. Chagor Masnecha V'kach Pach Hashem and Hazeb Yadecha Take this oil Go to Ramos Gilad because you are going to Ure'esham Yeo Ben Yehoshaphat Ben Nimshi Uvasava Kimosa Mitoch Echav You will uplift him You will lift him up from amongst his brothers Ve'eveta Osa Cheder Bacheder You go into a private room and you'll do exactly what I say. What did he need oil for? Why was there oil? So the Gemara says in Masechus Krisus that oil is only used for Malchus based David, for Malchus Yehuda. So why was he using oil? Ask the Gemara in Krisus, Hema Beis, Malchus based David Moshrin, Vein Malchus Yisrael Moshrin. Right? Why? Because it says by David, Kum Mashreu Kizehu. He should be anointed. Zeton Meshicha, Vein Acherton Meshicha. Nobody else gets Meshicha. So why was. Uh, he anointed here. Why was he, why was, uh, Yehu anointed here? It wasn't real anointment, says the Gemara. It was because there was machlokas, uh, so there was some type of anointment needed, but it wasn't real anointment, it was what's called Shem and Afar Simon. The Radak quotes this Gemara right here. It was a fake type of oil. And that's what the Rambam says. The Rambam in Hilchas Malachim, when he talks about Malchus uh, David Amelech in uh, Perek Aleph of Hilchas Malachim. He talks about the uniqueness of David. Kiva Shenimshach David Zacha Bekeser Malchus. Vaharia Malchus Lo Ulubanav Hazacharim Akshirim Ad Olam. Eternity it never leaves Malchus. It never leaves uh, David Amelech's family. Avah Bishlo Zacha El Akshirim Volatikros Amalchus Bizera David Olam, etc. But then the Rambam says Navi Shehemid Melech Bishar Shifte Yisrael. If there is a Navi that appoints a king from the other Shvatim, and that's the only way that there could be a uh, a Melech appointed from the other Shvatim. That's the Ramban's long comment in Parshas Vayechi, where he says that was a problem with the Chashmonaim. They won the war, but then they should have stepped aside. They were Kohanim. They didn't have a Navi at that time that appointed them to be Melachim, so only David HaMelech. So, but if there is ever a Navi that appoints, and he is a Navi that follows the Torah and Mitzvahs and he fights the wars of Hashem, Harei Zemelech, he has the status of a king. And all the mitzvahs of a melech apply to him. Even though the ikr is David a melech, but the, he will have the status of a king. 
Where do you see that, Shaharei? The Rambam gives one example. The original, the first king of Malchus Yisrael of up north, Yeravim ben Avot was appointed, but he was told, if you listen, but because he didn't follow, that is why it was removed. But the Radvaz says it's not only Yeravam. The Radvaz says Zemavur Menakasuv Vitzarchiye Betzivu Yashem Kasher Amar Kasher Haya Maisa Dachia Shiloni Ve Elisha Shemashach as Yehu Ben Nimshi. As we have right here, that is the other example. But again, it's not real uh, oil that is used. It is Shemana Farsimon because the Shemana Mishcha is only for David Hamelach. What's the difference between the Shemana Mishcha and the Shemana Farsimon? So there is a beautiful thought that's mentioned by the Musar Anavim Rabbi Ginsburg in his uh, commentary on this. On this Gemara, where he uh, where he says. And it has inherent Kedusha. And that's why it's used to anoint Malchus based David, which also has inherent Kedusha. They are Malachim forever. Malchus Yisrael, they don't have Kedusha eternally. If they deserve it, great. If not, not. It's temporary. And that's why you didn't use the Shemana Mishra. And that's why there is also a halacha uh, of Ein Yeshiva Bazara El Malchus Beis David Bilvan. Only David Amalek and his family are allowed to sit in the Azara. Why? Shemalchus Beis Yehuda Sheish Bem Kedusha Efshel Lehem Leishev B'Malkam Sheish Bo Kedusha. Av Malchus Beis Yisrael Sheish Bem Kedusha Ein Amasham Leishev B'Malkam Shel Kedusha. No one else is allowed to because they don't have permanent Kedusha, and that's why it wasn't the real oil. That was used. So that's what Elisha tells Yonah. Go take the oil to Ramos Gilad. Come there, take Yehu in private, and Velakachta Pachashemen, Vyatsakta Rosha, you should pour it. Vyamarta Kalmar El Yisrael. Hashem says that I am making you the the king. Don't think that this is your own doing. Hashem is anointing you. Ufasakta Delas Vinastavalotachake. Then run. Because you don't want any any problems. Even though Shluchim is in Izalkin, but don't take any chances. The Naar, who is the Naar of, of the Navi? The Malbim says the double ushan is that he received his own Navu at the time. What to say even more that Elisha told him. All the officers are sitting. It happens to be the officers are all here, not with the king. The king, Yehoram, is elsewhere, and all of his officers are here. They're separated. And he says to Elio, I have to tell you something. Yehu acts humbly. El Mimi Kulana, who do you want to speak to? Vayomer Elecha Asai, I need to speak to you. Takes him into the house. Vayiko Shemen al Rosho, Vayomer Lo, Kaomar Hashem al Yisrael. Mishatichal Melech al Hashem el Yisrael. Again, repeating the Amashem, repeating Kaomar Hashem. The Malbim says, he's uh, alluding to him that everything you do, you're going to massacre fellow Jews, but it's only because Hashem said it. Don't let it go to your head. You are just a pawn. You are just a cleave that Hashem is using. Viki says, "Base achav adunecha v'nikamti d'me avadai hanaviim v'dme kolav de Hashem yadizevel." And you will take revenge for all the blood that has been spilled of the neviim and the, all the avde Hashem that Izevel has wiped out. V'avad kol base achav v'echrati la'achav mashtin bekir v'atzur v'azuv b'Yisrael. Nobody is going to be left because this is a revenge for. For what has been done. Even though, the Achronim point out, even though there is one, Atalia Basachav is left, 
there are various answers given. All, all the brothers, as we'll see in the next parak, they're all going to be wiped out. There's one girl, you could say only the males. There are other answers given, uh, but that, that is the, uh, the general promises that they're all going to be wiped out. The third house to be totally obliterated in Malchi Yisrael, Yeravam Basha, and is soon to be Achav. Again, he repeats the Nevuah that was said earlier to Achav and Izevel, Bechel Yisrael, Vein Kover, there will not be any burial, Vayiftach Adel, Vayanos, he runs out. Good. Vayel Yatzel Avdei Adonav, and Yeo goes out, Vayomer Lo Hashalom, Madua Baha Meshuga Hazeh Elecha. And they say, Hashalom, and they say, why did this Meshuga come? Unbelievable. The word Meshuga. Yeah, he was just talking. Why did they call him Meshuga? Why? So the Radak says, maybe it was an insult. Maybe it was an insult. But maybe it was an insult that was covering over a reality. We know, says the Radak, that when a Navi Emes gets a Nevuah, he loses his faculties. Like it says in Shmuel Aleph, he quotes, They lose their faculties. But the other knew this, they just called him Meshuga, oh, you're crazy. Even though it was a good crazy when you get Nevuah. And the Rambam writes this. The Rambam in Hilchas Yisodiyat Torah, where he talks about the differences between Moshe Rabbeinu and the other Nevi'im. He says, all Nevi'im, besides Moshe, they lose their faculties. He realizes that he will, he is someone that is not as he used to be. Their limbs shake. He becomes weak. And he quotes, like it says by Avraham, as he quotes from Daniel, that's all, and that's why possibly they were insulting him uh, because he was a Navi, but that's exactly maybe the point. Uh, another reason maybe why they say that they called him Meshuggah is that he ran in here, he didn't even like say hello to them, he just said, I have a message. And maybe that's where the Rambam gets a different line from. The Rambam in Uchos Deus, Rambam, when he's talking about proper behavior, he says in Perak Hey Halacha Ches as follows: Lo Yelat Tamar Chacham Bekom is a Kufa, Vigaru Natui Kaayin. He should Tamar Chacham shouldn't walk with his shoulders up, looking like very arrogant. Vlo Yalech Eke Besad Godel Benachas, or he shouldn't look, walk with his face to the ground. Kamo Anashim Legasei Ruach Kaay Ka. Don't run in the street and act like Shiga'on. Maybe he got it from this Pasuk. Maybe he got it from this Pasuk because, right, it calls it Mishugan. Maybe that's why they called him Mishugan. Either way, they say, what do he say? So he says, nothing, nothing. Vayomer, they say, Sheker. Hagen no No, you're lying. Tell us. He told you something. Vayomer, and he says, okay. Kazos kazos Amar Leilimar. This is what he told me. You are going to be the king. And in a blink of an eye, they took off their clothing as a simon of Avdus. They went on the steps. They put the begadim under him and they accept him. The Malbim says this was Yad Hashem. This is not normal to accept him over them. Right right after they first said that, oh, this Navi is a Meshuggah. And now they say, oh, he must have done the truth and he's the 
He's the uh, king. Kinnereh, it looks like he didn't even, even want to. He was not acting as a leader, and maybe that's exactly why they wanted him. So they blow shofar and they're mamlachim. Interesting, why they blow shofar? Right, you would think, as we'll see, they wanted to keep it quiet, they wanted to keep it secret. Says the Mishpizozov, that was part of Hamlachas Melech. Right, by Shlomo, beginning of Sefer Malachim. Right, when David says, take Shlomo and part blow shofar with him, and I will make sure Adonio doesn't try anything. Uskatem bashofar vamartim yechi hamalach Shlomo. Yeah, and that's what they do. So, and that's also, by the way, Rosh Hashanah. One of the ten reasons of Sadiagon says that we blow shofar on Rosh Hashanah is we're being mamlich hakadosh baruch Hu. So, so too, here, they blow shofar because that's part of the hamlacha process. Vayomru malach yeyu, and they all declare, yeyu is memelach. Vayizkasher yeyu ben Yoshafat ben himshiel yoram. And they start gathering and rebelling against Yoram, who, as we mentioned, used to be called Yehoram, now it's Yoram. Maybe the Shem Hashem is out. The Yoram Hayashomer Baramos Gilad, And he is convalescing, he is trying to get better in uh, Ramos Gilad. Because of the uh, how he got injured when he fought Aram, but Yashav Yaram Hamelach and Yehoram is there, and uh, the Yehu starts attacking, starts attacking, and Yehu tells his men, nobody leaves alive. As you know, the two kings who are going to meet their demise are both there. The Tzofeh, there is a lookout that sees people coming and he tells them, there's a lookout, there's a group coming. Yoram says, send somebody and see if they come in peace. The messenger goes, doesn't come back. They send the second messenger, doesn't come back. Now, he says, okay, he didn't come back, but same type of word. I don't see who it is, but I could see how he's riding. And it's a Yehu Ben Nimshi type of riding. He must have had a very uh, clear, um, open, unique way of riding his chariot, his horse, and Yehoram is obviously worried. Esar v'esarichbo, get your chariot. V'yetzi Yehoram elch Yisrael, v'achazim elch Yudah, they go out with their chariots, and they happened, just so happened, obviously not just so happened, v'yimsa'uhu b'chelkas navoz ha-Yisraeli. Navoz is vineyard, where it is, where he was killed, where he was killed from, that's exactly where this battle takes place. Shalom, what's happening? Your mother is still being involved in znus and magic. Yehoram realizes that this is bad news. He turns around and starts running. The strong man pulls back his arrow. He hits Yehoram straight through between the shoulders. Goes straight through his heart. And he dies right there. If you remember, we quoted the Medjushtan Chuma in Rashi earlier in the first Pasuk in Parak Dalid, where it says the wife of one of the Nevi'im, and we mentioned that was the wife of Avadya, was crying to Elisha that they're going to take my sons. Uh, who's going to take sons? So Ovadia had borrowed money, and uh, Yehoram was charged, Ben Acha was charging interest. He hardened his heart against the Almana and against the Yisomim. So the heart that was hardened was killed right through his heart. That's what Rashi quotes earlier. Again, this parak is all about Mida, Kenegan, Mida, exactly. Vayomer, Pasachav 
uh, uh, Yehu even says to his to his um, uh, sidekick, El Bidkar Shalisho, throw the body right in here into the field of Navos. Don't you remember? We were riding with Achav and Hashem Nasa Alav. Hashem already said the prophecy that Demei Navos as Demei Banav or Emesh, He killed Navos. He's going to have to pay for it right here. The Gemara in Sanhedrin Dav Memches has a machlokes. What do you mean the sons of Navos? Only Navos was killed. So there were two days whether he actually had sons who were also killed, or maybe it means the potential children. Like it says by Cain and Hevel, Demei, right? Demei Dam Dam Zariosav, all of that. But either way, they throw his body in, and he is eaten by the dogs. As we know, that's Yehoram. Next, Achazio, the king of Yehuda, is running away. There's differences in the how exactly he was killed between here and Divri Hayamim, uh, whether he was killed here on the run or whether he went into hiding, and then they caught him and then he was killed. Either way, you've got to put the two versions together. Maybe he was shot with an arrow and then he was dying in the cave. Either way, he is killed at this time. The Gemara says in Sanhedrin, Kovbeis, even at this time while he's on the run, he ran into a cave and what were the last things he was doing? He took a Sefer Torah and he was cutting out the Shemos of Hashem and putting Shemos of Avodah in its place. Unbelievable, uh, Megadev, uh, blaspheming God type of activity. Uh, and he died, he died there. Rahman al even though he's from uh, Malchus Yehuda, but he is not deserving to live. But he does get buried. Uh, he's brought back to Yerushalayim and he's buried in uh, in Ir David. And then the the parak just ends off with the demise of with the the killing of Izabel. She looks out the window. She puts on some makeup. Which what does that mean? Putting on makeup. Maybe she was going to try to seduce him. Maybe she was just going to be be strong in front of him. The Yehu Bavashar and Yehu comes in. Pasaklam Aleph. Vatomer Hashalom. She says Hashalom. Zimri Horegadonov. What did she mean by that phrase? Zimri who kills his master. That was a king a few kings ago that killed his own master who assassinated. So is this an insult? Yeah, you also killed the master? Or is this saying, it's okay, you can be the king now, just like you killed your master. I'll be subservient to you. It's unclear. But in any case, he looks up at the window and says, who's with you? And two shloshas, sorry, sim, two or three men, they look down, and he says, throw her out the window. Vayiz midamay lakir, she's thrown out the window, she dies on the spot, and vayir mesena, he goes over and tramples her to fulfill the nevuah that took place. Right after that, vayavo, vayochal, vayesht. And Yeo goes in and has a suda. The Rinas Yitzchak says, right, like by Achav, Ba'avod Rishayim Rina, right, when the wicked are removed from the world, there is, there is a celebration. Vayomer piktunas aruazos And in the middle of the meal, he says, you know what? Go bury her. Kibas Melachi, she comes from royalty. And they go out, there's nothing left besides the Golgolas, the Raglayim, and the Kaposia Daim. The head, the leg, the, the feet, and the hands. The Radak has two days here, whether, uh, because there was nothing left, she totally didn't get to even left that, because there was nothing much to bury. And that's a full kiyam of Ain Kover. Or maybe they buried these last little things, because the, the Medrash says, the Perkid Rebelazar, that she used to dance at the weddings, and she used to clap at the Leviahs, so she had a little bit. Again, Mida Kenegan Mida, a little bit of, of Zechuyos in her, so those were Zoha to be buried. And even though those were buried, it wouldn't be a violation of burial, because, you know, most of her was not buried. The Rinas Yitzchak suggests, maybe this is a, the two days are uh, debating whether there is a Chiv of Kvura on limbs. If you don't have Rosh and, and Rova the body. The Mishnah Malach says that 
there is a mitzvah of kfura only on Rosh of Arubo. Meikar Adin and Tosas Yantiv, he quotes him, Mesach Shabbos quotes, no, even a Kazayas, Kazayas ben Ames. There's a separate machlok, as we mentioned this back in Sefer Shoftim, about Avarim. Right, somebody has something amputated. Is there a, a chiv of kfura? We do bury. But that might just be because we don't want something, to, a coin to be walking by and being matame. So, most achronim assume iker hadin, there is no chiv, is just preventative. The Shvaz Yaakov writes in the Tshuva in Kuf Aleph, imuchuyav ligbaro so ever olo. He says, lachora nira diyish lakavro, lachora. It talks about the, the muke shchinzro oseyem that are matame, and the Medrash says, vayikbar ba'arei gilad, he was buried in the cities of, what do you mean cities? He only died in one place. No, it says that his his body parts uh, fell off. Akin Bayanes, but when you look at it, Tira Shakoze Yeshlitchos. The Ainzem Mitzada Chi of Likvar, after there's no chiyav. It's just That's what the Shos Yaakov says. That's what the Nodim Yehuda says in Yoradea Tinyana Simon Reish Tess. There's no per se chiyav akfura, but we do it out a little covet amaze beyond what we have to do or preventative from koanim. Either way, vayashiva gidulo. They come back into the house. They tell Yehu this is the story. And he says, oh, this is exactly what Elio and Avi said was going to happen. Rashi quotes, Kidomain is Kizevel. The Emes Yaakov says, it's Izevel and Zevel. That's, uh, related, related, uh, words. That's where she, uh, that's where she came from. That's what her life was about. The terrible tragedies that she wrought onto Klai Yisrael and she met her end, Mida Kenegan Mida, she was punished and and murdered. Okay, Paragud, we are up to as we continue with Yehu now being the king of Malche Yisrael. Okay, let's get started with the next parak, Malachim Bey's parak Yud, as we continue the downfall and the obliteration of the house of Achav. So we had in the last parak that Yehu, the new king of Israel, the new Malach Yisrael, uh, killed the previous two kings, killed the Malach of Yehuda and the Malach of Yisrael as a punishment uh, to uh, fulfill the words that he was commanded by Yonah, the Talmud of Elisha, that told him that he was going to be the king, he was going to wipe out the house of Achav, who followed in the footsteps of their father and their grandfather in uh, rejecting HaKadosh Baruch Hu and following the Baal. So that's exactly what Yehu does here, continuing the process of getting rid of the family of Achav. Uh, so what happens here, Achav had 70 sons, and Yehu had to figure out a way to uh, get rid of them, as well as becoming the king. So he has an amazing plan. He sends a letter to all the people who took care of all the sons of Achav. Some of them were older, some of them were younger, and he says, well, I'll make you a choice. Are you going to support them, or are you going to support me? He says, and they were extremely scared of him because he was uh, just killed out both kings, and they said, "Okay, we support you. We'll be mamlech you." And he says he asked them a uh, to do something very gruesome, very uh, uh, graphic, which we have to think about in terms of what Izevel and Achav had done to all the neviim of Klal Yisrael. He had wiped them out. He had killed them. And uh, and he had killed the elders, everybody, besides Ovadi, who was able to hide a hundred of them. But Yehu asked them to kill the 70 sons of Achav, and in that way show their loyalty. That's exactly what they do. And then uh, Yehu not only makes an announcement that the house of Achav has been destroyed, and Hashem's word is fulfilled, but he also says, you see, he says to the people, you see, I'm not a murderer, I'm not a Russia. Other people were involved also, and therefore it has to be the Yad Hashem just fulfilling what Eliyahu told 
um, was told by Hakadosh Baruch Hu and Eliyahu told Achav that his family is eventually going to be wiped out. The parak continues and says that Yehu found other relatives and he killed them until finally there was no one left. He meets Yehonadav ben Rechav, who was uh, we don't know so much about him here. He was uh, seems to be a tzaddik, somebody who follows the word of Hashem, and Yehu it befriends him. He says, "I'm very proud of you. I hope you're proud of me. I'm just fulfilling the word of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. After that, part one of the parak, part two, Yehu says, "Okay, besides all the family of Achav, I have to get rid of all of the Nevi'e Habal. So how does he get them all together? So he has a trick. He announces he's that he's going to make a big carbon. He's going to make a tremendous carbon to the Baal, and all the Nevi'ah Baal have to come. If anybody doesn't come, they're going to be killed. So they all gather, and they think Yehu is going to give this tremendous carbon and <coughs> support the Baal. And just to be safe, Yehu says, if anybody serves Hashem, you have to be out of the temple, because we don't want you here. So they get anybody who serves the Kaddish Baruch out of the temple, so only the Nevi'ah Baal are left. And after playing along with it a little bit, Yehu then commands his servants to kill all of them, uh, following the word of Hashem. So at this point, Yehu seems great. He follows the word of Hashem. He is a fierce, fearless leader. He wiped out Achav. He wiped out the Nevi'eh Habal. Until we get to the end of the parak, which says that even though he got rid of the Baal, he followed the sins of Yeravah ben Nevat, as all the Malchi Yisrael did. He did not get rid of the Egle Hazahav that were up north. Uh, he still did not want people to be uh, go down to Yerushalayim. And Hashem says to Yehu, well, you're a mixed bag. Because you followed my word, I'm going to give you four generations of kings. But because you didn't get rid of the sins of Yeravam and you followed, so then there is going to be trouble for you in the future. And the parent gets off by saying that the trouble has started already. Uh, Aram is attacking from all different sides. Yehu dies. He's buried in Shomron up north. His son Yehoachaz Come, uh, takes over for him. Yehu is king for 28 years. That is the parak. Uh, Yehu, and another enigmatic figure we have here in uh, Malachim Bays. And again, most of it seems positive. He, he was a fierce, fearless leader, and he wiped out many people, but it was all as a kiyom of what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted. Okay, let's get back to the beginning of the parak. Ula Achav shivim banim b'shomron. Achav had 70 sons in Shomron, and Yehu was trying to figure out a way to kill them. And not to look bad in the eyes of the people. So he sends private letters to the elders, the Sarei Yisrael Hazakenim, those who took care of the children of Achav, saying, you know, you have a choice to make. So what are you going to do? You could either support them, or... You can't support me. Vayiru ma'od ma'od. Pasuk Dalit. They were very fearful. Vayomer and they said, If two kings couldn't stand up to him, to Yehu, so how could we stand up? So they sent back and they said, okay, we'll do whatever you want. And he sends back the gruesome uh, request of you have to uh, kill all of the sons of Achav and we are going to publicly display the... Uh, the um, the dead the dead sons. That's exactly what they do without batting an eyelash. Not one of them hesitates. Because obviously, you see the Yad Hashem here, and these were all people who we assume were uh, following. Right? It's lo pokid avos albanim, but it was only kishoksemasia avosehem biadehem. And then the Malak comes and tells him, "Yes, they're all done." So what did they do? What does uh, Yehu do? He piles them up in the. Shar ha'ir, so everybody could see, and then he says to them in pasuk tes, you think you're all tzadikim and I'm a big rasha because I killed the two kings. Who killed these seventy uh, people? 
It wasn't me. So you see, Kilo Yipo mi Hashem Hashem at this point appears like a tzaddik. You see that nothing is not being fulfilled. It's all the fulfillment of the nevuah that Hakadosh Baruch Hu sent biyad Elio Anavi. That's what Rashi says uh, right here. Achmeela teduefu kigzeres hamelachi alehem vahargam tzaddiku umekayim es mitzvah hamakom. Whoever does this is fulfilling the mitzvah of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. The Malbim adds that it's not just he's not, he's not just publicly making sure people see all the dead uh, descendants of Achav for his own Tzidkus, but he's showing that the Zakanim that did it also were not at fault. They were just fulfilling, even though and he invokes, even though the Rambam says in Hilchas in Hilchas Yisodiyat Torah, that if there is someone who says, you know, give us one of you or we're going to kill all of you, you're not going to allow to give any. Right? We discussed that by Sheva Ben Bichri uh, earlier in Sefer Shmuel, and right, if so, I'll read you the Rambam. The Rambam says again, very famously, if uh, if a bunch of Jews were together, and uh, Anna says, send us one of you, are all going to kill all of you. So they all have to be killed. Unless one of them is like the story of the woman who threw his head out of the city. That's what the Ramah continues. So the Malbim says, so you might have thought that here there's a Canaan did something wrong. The answer is no. They didn't do anything wrong. This is exactly what HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh, asked and that is what the Malbim, how the Malbim explains this, uh, this idea. I so why these tzaddikim? Uh, That's what he continues and says. It's all from Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and therefore don't think they did anything wrong. The Mishpat Zazav says maybe he doesn't even have anything to do with that Rambam because these were more b'malchus. More b'malchus is mechuyev misa, even separate from that whole Rambam. If somebody is mechuyev misa, not uh, alpi uh, misa's bezdin, but even just more b'malchus, the king has that has that right. So, Yehu is solidifying his position. He takes out all the rest of the house of Achav. And he finds even, uh, obviously not coincidentally, Akash Baruch made him go there. He finds some old relatives of Ahaziahu, who we know the king of Yehuda had married in, had become a son-in-law, Yehoram of, of Achav. So they were also part of the family of Achav. They didn't know at the time of the marriage that had taken place. That's why they didn't run away from him. But uh, Achav takes care of them, and there is no one left, says the Pasuk, Lo Hishir Ish Mehem, uh, the uh, Kodesh Baruch Hu's justice uh, comes true here. Then he finds Yehonadav. And they greet each other very positively. Do you like me as much as I like you? And Yonadav says yes. He says, okay, come on into my chariot and you'll see me fulfill the word of Hashem. And that's what he does by getting rid of all the rest of the family of, of Achav. So now we get to the Baal. He gathers everyone and they say, okay, what is he going to do now? He says a very unusual Pasik. First, you explain this is all a trick. It's all a trick that he wants to figure out a way to get all the Nevi'i Habal together. So he says, you know why what happened to Achav happened was because he only served Baal a little bit. But I'm going to serve Baal in an unbelievable way. You just watch this. So we gather all the Nevi'i Baal, we're going to make a holiday, 
We're going to make a yantif. So every single navi of the Baal, please come together. Even though this was a plan, the Gemara in Sanhedrin says it was inappropriate for Yehu to use this as a plan. The Gemara says in Sanhedrin and Dafkuf Beis that what caused, as we'll see in the end of the parak, that Yehu did not end up being perfect. He was great. A couple of Shatim will give, but... Uh, the Gemara says in Kufbeis and Aleph, Amr Abaya, my Garmale, what caused Yehu to, to fall at falter at the end? Amr Abaya, bris krusal isfatayim. You got to be careful what you say. Shenamar achav avad abalmat v'hu yavdenu harbe. Right, you keep did it to, to to trick, but you can't say the words Acha uh, that Yehu is going to serve the Baal. You know so you know so amazingly. It's inappropriate. It's inappropriate to say that, even if it's uh, for a good purpose. Some achronim wonder that maybe it's not just inappropriate. Maybe it's even usher. The Shulchan Aruch says in Yeridea, you're not allowed to say it, even to save your life. You're not allowed to say I worship. Says the Shulchan Aruch in Kufnun Zayin in Yeridea. Aser la Adam Lomar Shehu Ovi Kochavim Kedeshalo Yahargeyu. It's Aser for a person to say that. Aval Im Kedeshalo Yakirusha Yelo Yehudi. If you're not saying anything explicit, but you're just going to disguise that you're not a Jew, Mishane Kol You're allowed to change your clothing. You're not saying that you worship. You just don't look like a Jew, right? So that you can do to save your life, but otherwise not. But then the Rama adds. You could say something that could be interpreted in two ways. Let the guy thinks that you have kavada to be a to be an ovid ovid but you don't have that in mind. That's how some of the achronim answer our case here. You might say, right? There's an asnachta. Yehu ya'avdenu harbi. Yehu will serve him a lot. Who's the him? So maybe it means him, capital H. Maybe it means Hashem. That's how you could interpret it. But Yehu knew that this is what is going to mislead them, and that was his point. So maybe he didn't violate anything me'ikir hadin, but it's just the extra bris crucialis vastayim, which is like a principle of al-tiftach pele satan type of Type of idea. So what happens? says Everyone come ish al Nobody should be left out. Kizeva li Whoever's out there is not going to live. Everybody has to come and serve the Baal. So he gathers them up together. He sends a message throughout all of uh, all of Eretz Yisrael. Vayomer, and then all of a sudden, Pazachavase, he says, when they're all in the temple, he tells the Meltacha, the one who's in charge of the clothing, Hotzelavush. Bring out nice vestments. Let all the Ovde Habal wear these vestments. Why? The Malbim says for two reasons. Number one, if they start running away, they will be easily identifiable. And number two, says the Malbim, it could be that a number of Jews just came to watch. Right, it's very kind. You just want to see what's happening. Right, it's so, so, um, you know, it's human nature. Right, what's the hawk? What's going on here? So you go to see, even though you're not involved. Said the Malbim, but Yale didn't want to kill those people. Right, he only wanted to kill the people who were over the Zara Mamish. And therefore, he made them wear these vestments. It was in the special uh, closet in the temple of the Baal. They were, you would know, these are the ones that came to serve. These are the ones that came just to watch. That was what would happen with the special clothing. So that's what they do. 
Nadav ben Rechav, so yea, when Yehon Nadav come, Vayomer lo the Abal, and they say, Chibsuru, Penyish proimachem yav the Hashem, maybe there's somebody who serves Hashem here. Kiyamov the Abal of Adam, I don't want anybody who serves Hashem in the temple right now. So now they're really excited, they're like, yeah, let's get rid of anybody who serves Hashem. Vayavau la'asos vachim va'olos, so they started giving carbonos. Yehu put 80 men. Some lo bachut shmonimish. And he put 80 men around the temple. Vayomer and he said to them, Don't let anyone out. You let anybody out, then you're going to pay with it with your life. Yehu was, was, uh, very strong. And once they finished actually serving. Some say he wanted Mamish for them to do Avodazar right now. Misa. He sends his messengers, his Ratzim and Shalashim, and says, get them. And they get them. And they kill all the Nevi'i Abal. And not only that, they destroy the temple. They destroy the temple. Why do they destroy the temple? This is a mitzvah's Asei Da'oraisa. The Sefer HaChinach I'll read it from. It's a Pasuk at the beginning of Parshas Re'eh. The, pas- the Sefer HaChinach says, on the Pasik, Abid Ta'abdun as Kalamakamos, says the Chinuch, Shenitz Tavinula Abid Bate Havodazar Kulam. If we have the chance to destroy a house of Avodazara, we have to do that. Bishivron Ubisrefa Beharisa Ubikrisa. Kol min b'mashiroilo, whatever material it is. Klomar b'mashiyah yoter mashchus b'mar b'charbano. However, you can destroy it. Vakavana shalonaniach roshem l'avodazara. Anything that is not serving Hashem, we can't leave a roshem. We can't leave anything. Al zenemar abeit abdunas kolam akamos, and that's what it says. Kol atasulam is b'choseim titotsu, b'nitatem is b'choseim. Right, and that's exactly what Yehu did here. He destroyed. In Eretz Yisrael, there's a chilak you have to be mishari shachareha, as the Gemara says. In Eretz Yisrael, you have to be rodef achareihem very strongly, but otherwise, uh, you just have to destroy them when you happen to come to them. It's interesting, Ha'ara, that Rav Sternbach has in the Tavadas, he wonders that in Re'eh, it says that it is, um, you have to burn them. Right, I and it mentions Shreifa, while in Mishpatim, the earlier Pasik, Kiham Haresta Haresum Vishaber Tishaber Matsebo Sehem. Doesn't talk about burning, those are the trees. Ashe Rehem Tisrafun Baesh. Talks about the trees in here, in Re, but it doesn't talk about that in in Mishpatim. See, so he quotes an amazing terrorist of Rivchaskal Abramsky. The Gemara Avodazara Dafnun Gimel asks, how in the world do the, uh, over the Avodazara anyway have the power to usher the trees in Eretz Yisrael? Right? Eretz Yisrael belongs to Avram Avinu, and ain't on the most of Avrashina Shalos, so even if they bow down to the tree. How does it become Asur? Says the Gemara Avodazara Nun Gimel, Mi Depalchul Yisrael Egel. Once B'nai Yisrael worshipped the Egel, Galu Daitaihu Denichaluhu. Then it shows that Nicholu, they're not so upset about Avodah Zara. And at that moment, the trees became Asr. So that is why in Mishpatim, before the Egel, there was no Mitzvah to burn the trees, because they were Nasar. Only after the Egel, that's where now they become Nasar, and B'nai Yisrael now have a Mitzvah to burn them down. An amazing uh, Ha'ara. The Pasuk continues here, and there's another Mitzvah that's fulfilled. Vayitzuah's Beis Habal, so they destroy the Beis Habal, and then it says, Vayisimuhu, which means they use parts of the temple to go to the bathroom in. They used it, they made it disgusting, which is another uh, kiyum of the 
of the uh, Gemara. The Gemara says, Mitzvah You have to make fun of it. The Ramam doesn't quote that for some mysterious reason, but the Minchas Chana points out, we have to make fun of it. Beis Karya, Beis Galya, right, refer to it as all different, uh, all different um, names and activities, because that's the way, it says uh, the Zayim Torah, if I make fun of something, that will help me uh, remove and be mashkiach, and cause to forget the original name of the, the Avodah Zarah, and that's part of the mitzvah. Part of the mitzvah. So if you call somebody a nickname, sometimes, you know, you don't even know what their real name is. Everybody's so used to the nickname. That's exactly this point over here. That's why it's maybe so negative to, to call somebody a nickname according to the Gemara, because their name is, is their name, is their mahus. But the Rav Surutskin here says, the calling of the names and using them in a, in a, in a in a uh, disgusting way, that's Yishtakeya v'yovad Hashem HaYashon, that's the Batem HaShemam min ha-makomahu, and that's exactly what he does here as well. Vayat v'yadiyeh was Baal, so there's no more Baal. And now we end off the parak. Rakhatoe Yerava Benavat. Asher hechtiyas Yisrael osar yeo me'achareyam. But he does not remove, and does not go away from the sins of Yeravam. Egle hazav asher beis el v'asher badan. He didn't remove the Egel. Why? So a couple of suggestions. Number one is Rashi. Rashi right here says because just like your oven, he was scared. He was worried about his covet. He didn't want everybody going back to um, the Yehuda and Malchus Beis David. So he kept the Egel, even though he just knew Akash Baruch was in charge. The Abarbanel says it wasn't, and most say it wasn't Mamash Avodah Zara, but he was doing it for for uh, political reasons. The problem with that was he was doing it oh to protect Hashem promised him. The Bible says Hashem promised him four generations. Once Hashem promised him that, they should have got rid of that. He doesn't need that. If he trusted Hakadosh Baruch Hu, he didn't have to keep those as a as a protection. Number one. Others suggest the uh, Musar Nevi'im notes that maybe the Pashas is that power corrupts. Right, once he followed Shem Hashem, but now he's in power, and this, this is what happens. Power corrupts, and that's exactly, he says, interesting, he says, what happened to Yehonadav? He's not mentioned again. He's mentioned in Yermio as uh, someone who was, became, uh, he was a parush, and he stayed away from the world. Maybe that's exactly the point, suggests the Musar Nevi'im. He saw what happened to Yehu, who was so Hashem Shemayim, who was going, doing things for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But then, all of a sudden, it goes to your head, and, and look what happens. Right, number two. A third idea is what we said before, the Gemara in Sanhedrin Kufbeis, bris krusalus fatayim, because he said it, because he said it, that already has an, uh, has an effect. But Hashem does not take away any schar, so by Yamar Hashem al Yehu, Hashem tells Yehu, Rashi says, in, by uh, Yonah again, as uh, Yonah had told him originally, Yana because you did follow what I told you to do a Sisalabesachov, you did everything to the house of Achab and a Revim, Yeshvilakisi Yisrael. You will have four generations. The Ramban quotes this Pasik in in uh Parakhtas of, of Bracious, where the Ramban has the well known discussion of why were the Mitzrayim punished? Why were they punished if Hashem already forecast it? Aren't they doing a mitzvah? The answer is they weren't doing it, Lashem Shemayim. How do you know they weren't doing Lashem Shemayim? They did even worse. They did even harsher. And if you would ask them, are they doing Lashem Shemayim? They wouldn't answer, yes. That's different than Yehu. Yehu also wiped out who needed to be wiped out and punished them, but he was doing it. L'shem Shamayim. That's a big, that's a big difference. There is the Achronim note, a little problem with the Ramban, by Yehu, it's not such a good raya. There he was commanded by a specific Navi to do this, to do exactly that. By the Mitzrayim, it's not the same thing. Okay, but that's the Ramban's, that's the Ramban's idea. So Hashem says, you're going to get four generations, but He did not, did not follow Hashem. 
tragically, and he sinned following the paths of his uh, of Yeravam, the previous Malach of Yisrael. So what happens? Hashem starts to be Makatzeh. What does that mean? It means to cut off. People were attacking them. Rashi says it's from the Lashon of Katsdi Bechayai. Hashem started getting disgusted by this. Even though, look what he did. Look what Yehu did. But look what could happen. Adio Moso, we have to make sure we stay on the straight and the and the narrow. Rashi even quotes a Rashi we don't even focus on usually. Rashi in Vayachi, where remember the story that Yaakov Avinu sees the children of Yosef and he says, "Who are these people?" And Rashi quotes, he couldn't believe their descendants. Why? Nistalka Shechina Mimenu Lefisha Asid Yeravam Vaachav Latzeis Meyafrayim VeYehu Ubanav Mimenashe. The Tanchuma even compares seemingly Yeravim and Achav and Yehomenash and Banav. They were both uh, made Yaakov upset because they saw. Right? It's something that we have to be so careful on. If you look in the Shmir Salashan, Rechavetz Chaim also discusses this. In Shar HaTvuna, Perak he says if you ever have to punish someone, either as a parent or as a, as a king here, he brings this example. One has to be so um, clear that the attacker does not have any shemets of the chait of the victim. Because if you do, so then the attacker is going to be considered doing an Avera, the victim is going to be considered innocent because you did this Avera too. Who are you, who are you to attack me? And that's exactly what happened here. Because Yehu had a shemets of Avodah Zara also, eventually he kept those Egle uh, Hazav, um, so then it worked out, uh, did not work out for him. He says, And he quotes this from Yehu, and he quotes other examples as well, that whenever we have to say, we have to say, we have to hit somebody, this and that, if we ever, you know, we might, we might be right in this regard to do something like that, he says. You have defenses based on all these halakhas that I've spoken about. But if ever you violate that sin uh, that you're punishing him for, you have to watch out because then what you did is going to be totally uh, considered considered wrong. And the paragraph off, Ayishkaf Yehu and Mavosav, Yehu dies, he's buried in Shomron, Yehoachaz, his son, takes over after 28 years of Yehu being king. And again, he has generations, he did tremendous good. As Hashem says, But he was not uh, the ultimate. And again, another king of Yisrael that is not that does not follow um, exactly what Akadosh Baruch Hu wants. Okay, we'll have to stop here as we continue these prakim in Malachim Beis. Okay, here we go. Say from Malachim Beis Perak Yud Aleph as we continue in the downfall of uh, the house of Achav and uh, all of the ramifications of his original sins and his descendants continuing those sins. So we just had in Perak Yud, we have Yehu destroying everything that's left of the house of Achav. Hashem says to Yehu, thank you very much, but Yehu is not perfect. He leaves the Egle Hazav on top, and therefore he is going to have his family uh, have the Malchus for four generations, but no more. Now we have really the final nail, uh, and that is in Perak Yud Aleph, we have Atalia, who is the mother of Ahaziahu, who was just killed by Yehu, the mother uh, who is the uh, wife of Yehoram, uh, she is the uh, daughter of Ahav and Izevel. She looks around and she sees her son is killed and she is power hungry. So what does she do? Unbelievably, she destroys her own grandchildren. She wipes out uh, everyone that is left because she wants to be the queen. 
and just uh, with the with the help of Hakadosh Baruch Hu, one little baby is rescued. Yehosheva, who is the wife of Yehoyada the Kohen Gadol, scoots out with Yoash the baby and steals him and takes him to the Cheder Hamito, which we'll see is a place in the base of Migdash, and protects him and hides him there for six years until he is old enough to be the king at six years old. In the seventh year, Yehoyada gathers all of the people together who have, who have been crushed. Mashav Klai Yisrael is crushed, thinking that the entire Malchus based David has been wiped out. Remember, it's not just Malchus, the uh, house of Achav, but David, Yehoahaz, uh, Achaz Yahu, had married in to the family of Achav. So when everybody, when Yehoah killed everybody, it was also Malchus based David that was killed, right? Because the uh, families were connected. And everybody thought that that's it, the promise is done. But no, there's one little baby that's been hiding. Yehoiada comes out and says, shows everybody the king and says, okay, but you have to help me now. We have to protect this uh, child. He tells the Mishmaros, the Kohanim and Levim, going in, going out. One Shabbos, okay, you stay here, you protect this king. And what does he do? He puts the king, the six-year-old uh, child, Yehoash, on a pedestal. He puts the crown on him and they declare him to be the king. All of a sudden, Atalia hears about what's going on. She goes out and she sees the king. She thought she had gotten everybody, but she didn't. She tears her clothing and she says, oh, there's a rebellion. Yehoyada has her grabbed. They take her out of the base of Migdash and they kill her out of the base of Migdash. Yehoyada creates another bris. This unbelievable Yehoyada and his wife uh, really saved Malchus based David here. They come and they make a new treaty between Bnei Yisrael and Hashem and Malchus based David and they commit to protecting him and getting the uh, glory back to David HaMelech. The whole world, the parak ends saying that the whole world, or at least Am Yisrael, are happy because Atalia must have ruled with an iron fist and the land is quiet. Ves Atalia Hemisu and she is finished. Okay, that is Parak Yedal. At the end of this parak, according to Svartic custom, is the beginning of the Aftar for Shkalim, but Ashkenazic custom has it at the beginning of the next parak uh, when we read about Yehoash's Malchus. Okay, so now let's get back to Parak Yedal. The Atalia Aim Achazyahu. So again, Atalia, who's the daughter of Ach- so you know what kind of upbringing she has. She witnessed much murder in her life. All the Nevi'im that were murdered. All the Zakanim that were murdered. This is what she sees. Power hungry. She sees that her mother and her father wiped out and destroyed and murdered Navos just to get his vineyard. So this is what she, this is the type of person she, she is. Vatalia Emachazyahu Ra'asa Kimeis she sees that her son uh, has been killed, Achazyo, by Yehu, Vatakam, Vataabed, as called Zeraha Mamlacha. What does she do? So she destroys the rest of the Mamlacha. It's, it's uh, clarified in more graphic terms in Divir Hayamim. She poisoned them. She poisoned all of her grandchildren so nobody could really know that it was her. And in that way, the Ralbag says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Nevu is fulfilled. Yehu didn't even have to kill everyone, even though she was doing it for the wrong reasons, but it was Me'es Hashem to, to, uh, to finish. Again, to destroy Malchus based David. Mitzudah's David says, Kadesh uh, Lochi, right? She was power hungry. She wants to, um, she wants to rule, but could also be partly because she knows that Achav's house has been wiped out, but also she wants Malchus based David's family to be wiped out, and therefore she takes this law into her own hands. We know, obviously, that uh, if any of this is done, it's because that they are continuing the uh, way of their forefathers. That is why Hashem does not, uh, there's no din below, uh, there's no din below din, and of course it was all Yad Hashem behind it. So we'll talk more about that in a minute.
Fatigah Yehosheva, a not famous woman, but a tremendously important woman in Jewish history right here. Yehosheva Bas HaMelech Yoram Achos Yo. Yehosheva, who is the daughter of Yoram, which means... She's also the daughter of Achazyo. This is her own daughter. Atalia's own daughter comes. She is Achos Achazyo, right? She saves Yoash the baby. Yoash ben Achazyo, Vatignovoso mitopene amelech, ha mumatimoso, veis minictoba, chadra mitos. Uh, she takes him and saves him to the Chadar Amitos. The, Maha, the Malbim says Chadar Amitos was the, where the babies were. That's where it came from. But Chazal understand that. Rashi quotes it, the Chadar Amitos. Uh, there's a reference to the Beis Hamikdash, a reference to the attic above the Kodesh Kadashim. That is where he stayed for six years. Ba'aliyas be'kashiyah Kadashim, Kamoshahu Almer, as it says later on, as we'll see. And the Me- Rashi quotes the Medrash. And this is what David Amalek so uh, alluded to in Tehillim. Ki it's Peneni Besuko Yastire. Hashem has hidden me uh, in the uh, private uh, part of his Ohel of the Beis HaMikdash. David HaMelech foresees the hiding of his descendant, which Malchus Beis David is going to, is going to come from. And he is saved and Atalyahu does not get to him. He stays there for six years. And Atalyah is the queen in the land. Why six years? Maybe that's when they thought it was he was old enough to rule. Or the Avas Yonasan says that maybe every seven years they check these uh, offices and these attics. So and then somebody was going to find out. So that's why they had to act at this at this moment. The the Mirchad Melio, Rav Dessler writes in Chelek Dalid that uh, it's amazing that so often through history, David HaMelech was on the verge, and Malchus Vedavah was on the verge of not existing. From the beginning of history, we know the Medrash tells us that David wasn't supposed to be born, right, until... Adam Arishon was Mavatar on 70 years of his life, and he gave it to David. But David HaMelech says the Mechtav el in the title, in the piece called Avodas Dorenu. V'chei David HaMelech, Shemimenu HaYetzorach L'amod Melech HaMashiach, Matzanu, Shenishmaso Lo Hayum Yuedes Lo Shonim Klau B'olamazeh. He wasn't supposed to live. And let's continue in history. And if Lo wouldn't, wouldn't have been with his two daughters, and Yehuda wouldn't have, Tamar wouldn't have done all these things, were not so difficult and smooth. Also Boaz, Avi Zakeno Shal David, his great great grandfather, Ilule Gober If he wouldn't have done what he done with did with Rus, so that it would never have happened. Boaz Boaz died that night. Right, it's unbelievable. And it continues, as we know, <coughs> the uh the uh David Amalekh throughout his life was almost killed by Shaul a number of times, and right here, Yehoash was the only one left, and in the days of Bayesheni, one of the three requests of Rabbi Yochanan and Zakai is save David Amalekh's family. Because he would have been wiped out. You see, David Amalekh is at the end, it's about the verge of collapse. And Hashem saves it. No matter, it gets to the end, the back to the wall, but that is part of the story of Geula of Am Yisrael. It's beautiful. I saw one of the Akronim point out, that's what we say in the Haftorah. In the Brachos of the Haftorah, we say, Ki v'shem you swore in the name, in your name, the name, your holy name, Shalo Nero Olam Va'ed. His candle will never be extinguished. That's the Haftacha that created the Hatzalah in our Perek, right? Yehoash was able to be saved by 
Yehosheva because she was able because of this promise that Hakadosh Baruch Hu did. Why? Why was why was David Melech at this stage punished so badly his family? So we know the Gemara tells us we've spoken about this in the past. Sanhedrin Sadehem at Aleph. Hashem goes to David and says. Uh, indirectly, indirectly, there were people killed because of you. And obviously, we look at this Kumara and we say, what? what? He was running for his own life. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu held David accountable on such as a high level, we can't even fathom it. But the Gemara there says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to David, An How long will this sin go unpunished? Al nov ir so, how could he really fault David for all of these things? Obviously, we can't even fathom it. But Akadosh Baruch Hu, on his level, on David Melech, on his level, and what Hashem expected from him, he is faulted. So he says to him, remember the Gemara in Sanhedrin Sadi, hey, do you want your children to be decimated, or do you want to be given over in enemies' hands? And of course, David says, take it out on me, don't let my children fall. And then Yishbi Benov gets him, and Avishai has to save him, and he's thrown up in the air, he's about to fall. The fascinating Gemara in Sanhedrin, but at the end of that Kamara. So David has to change his mind and say he's going to live so that his uh, the Malchus will continue, but his children are going to, his descendants are going to falter. So the Gemara says, where, where, Minal and Kalazari to David, where do you see that David's uh, seed was almost wiped out? Dirsiv, our Pasik. V'yatalia ein amachazyo, ra'asa kimeispina, v'ataka matoba, and it's called Zerah hamamlacha. Right, it was all, she, she killed him. Ay, Yoash was saved. V'ashtayla Yoash, the answer is, because also by Nov. Evyatar, one little Kohen went out, uh, survived. So just like one here, one there. Even there are some sources that the, the, the Gilgulim, the Neshamas, the Gilgul of Evyatar is, is Yahawash. But either way, the Magali Sayyam says on that Gemara, Sanhedrin Sadiheh, it doesn't mean, Chas Shalom that righteous people were killed. He quotes the Sfarim HaKadoshim to cause Macho, Yibre David, Venina, Tzadikim. As long as the children of David were Tzadikim, they were, this is much, this is many hundreds of years later. So, Lo Nanshu as long as Rechavam and the earlier ones basically followed Hashem, they were not punished. Rakashahochu, Bedarche Achav. Once they were influenced by Achav, which they married into, Hayuchayavim Kliya, Mitzadavon, Oseim Haim. They were Chayiv Misa because of their own sins. Because of their sins, then they were punished for it, and Davan Amelachus was it didn't protect them because of of uh, the fact that they took part in these sins as well. So either way, so we see often this happens, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh, saves David HaMelech's family, obviously because of the promise, like we say in Berchaz Torah. So here we go. Bashar HaShaviyah, Shalach Yehoyada. So Yehoyada, the husband of Yehosheva. Yehoyasheva and Yehoyada. We have to make those names famous. Vayikach Esarei HaMeos Lakari Valaratsimi gathers all of the uh, officers. Vayaveos HaMeila Beis HaShem. He brings them to the Beis HaMikdash. Why? Vayikros Lahem Bris Vayashba Osab Beis Hashem, he uh, administers an oath to them in the Beis Hamikdash. Why? It's a more serious oath. It's like the Kidas Chefetz. It's like it's like holding a sefer Torah if you're in the Beis Hamikdash. Vayarosam as Ben Hamelech, and after they swear loyalty to him, he shows them the Ben Hamelech. Imagine, imagine what the feeling they thought. Everybody thought that Malchus Beit is finished. And he shows them. And he's going to be Mamlachim. Amazingly, this is a story that the Rambam quotes. We have to know Tanakh. We all have to know Tanakh to understand Gemaras and Rambams. The Rambam says, Perak Allah Zayin and Hilchaz Malachim. 
When a king is appointed, you anoint him with the special oil. And once one king is anointed, then it goes straight, it's in the blood. What if there's a very young child that's left? You don't skip him. You save the Malchus until he gets old enough. Like Yehoyada did to Yoash, right here in our parak. Whoever's older comes first. And then he quotes all Sraros. We have this possibility too. As long as the Ben is Bamali Makamavosa, Bechachma, Uviyira, Vichulu. But that's the important. The Raman quotes this story. So Yehoyada waited for him to become old enough, and then he presented him. He showed everybody. And then he says, This is the plan. What are So, the Mepharshim explained, Rashi, the Radak, this is talking about the Mishmaros. We know all the Kohanim were split up into 24 Mishmaros. By the end, there were different stages of what Moshe did and David and Shlomo, all the different stages of the Mishmaros. But it's all the different groups that worked in the base of Migdash each week, they switched on Shabbos. So on Shabbos, one time, that's when Yehoyada Yeho, Yeho says, this is when the plan is going to go into effect. There are many Kohanim and Levim here. So he goes to a third of them. He says you're going to split up into three groups. Rashi says that it's the Mishmar Hayotse is going to be split up into three groups. Others say that it means all of them, both of them. Either way, basically the groups are going to guard the base of Migdash because they're going to be Mamluk the king in the base of Migdash. They can't have any influence traders. You will guard and you won't let anybody in. A third will be at the gate of Sur. What does that mean? Right, the Mepharshim explained what does that mean. Uh, Sur means that you can't have any, uh, can't let anybody turn in. And the next one, and you'll make sure that there's no sach, there's no hesachadas, you're focused and there's full protection for for this young child that I'm about to make the king. There is a machlokas Rabbim and the Ramban, whether the Mishmaris themselves were considered a mitzvah or not. The Rambam, and the Sefer HaChinuch uh, follows him, as always, quotes a mitzvah tov kuftes, the Sefer HaChinuch says, sheyi mitzvah lios hakohanim ovdim b'mikdash, mishmaros, mishmaros, ubimoadim ovdim ke'echad. One mitzvah, the kohanim, are split up every uh, part of the year, except on Yantif, they all did the Avodah, right? Based on Mishnahis and Sukkah and elsewhere. And he quotes Pesukim and Divri Hayamim, how David and Shmuel split up the Mishmaros. Ultimately, it was 24, and every Shabbos, as we know, they switched. The Shorish of the Mitzvah, says the Chinuch, Misharshi Mitzvah, Samishmaros, Yiduos, Ukvuos, Lefi, Shekalam Alachos, Hamutalos, Almispar, Anashim, Yiduim, Naasos, Karawi. If there are specific jobs for specific individuals, the work is going to get done. If anybody who wants could do it, it's never going to get done. The Ein Ha'atzla, Vahayeyush, Vahakaptonus, Mitsuya Bahen. There's not going to be laziness in the case where you have a specific job. If it's on the Kohanim in general,
Either everybody will want to do it at the same time and they'll get into fights, or nobody will want to do it and it won't get done. So, says the Sefer Chinuch, that's why we have the Mishmaros for exactness. The Ramban, the Chinuch quotes the Ramban at the end of the mitzvah, who says this is true, the Mishmaros, but it's not a mitzvah. Right, it's not a mitzvah. You don't count it. They're the mishmaros. This is the part of the avoda. How they're supposed to act. Halacha l'moshe b'sinai says the Ramban. Sheyichichalku beinayim ha'avoda l'mishmaros. Umoshe Rabbeinu who sheyizchel tchilah l'chalkam, and he made eight mishmaros, and then the, it was expanded to more, and ultimately twenty-four. But it's not a separate mitzvah asay. Either way, whether it's a mitzvah or not, we have the mishmaros, and Yehoyada takes advantage of the double mishmaros on the Shabbos. He gets them all together. And he says, you have to protect uh, this child. So after he does that, they're all ready, and they surround the Beis HaMikdash, and Pasuk Yud Beis, Vayotzi as Ben HaMelech. What did he do? They take out the king's son, they take out Yehoash, Vayitein Alav es HaNezer ve'es HaEidus. They put on him the Nezer, which is the crown, and the Eidus, what's the Eidus? Says the Mitzudah's David, Torah, and it creates Eidus. That's to- talking about the Torah. The Torah is called uh, Eidus. And that could be the extra Torah that a king is supposed to have. Again, we think of a six-year-old, a seven-year-old. It must have been a different type of six- or seven-year-old than we know of today. The Talos of Israel, and they, and they uh, put it on his arm. Right, it's the other, it's the extra special uh, Sefer Torah that the king has to have. Rashi quotes the Gemara that says maybe this isn't two different things that they put on him. Nazar and Edus, but... The Nazar, which is the Edus. What does that mean? Nazar is the crown that they put on, as the Gemara says in Sanhedrin, that Adoniyahu tried to put on the crown and it didn't fit. There was a special Nace that whenever there was somebody from Alpha Space David that was supposed to be the king, the crown fit him. And if not, it didn't fit him. So the Nazar fit. It must have been a big crown, but it fit the six year old. That was the Nace. The Nazar was the Edus. Who I the Shekala Rashi quotes, Shekala Roy Lamalchus Homaso, Vishena Roy Lamalchus Eno Homaso. It's the Gemara Navodazara Dafmem Dalad. So says the Gemara, they, says the, says the Pasik, they put it on Yehoash, Vayamlichu Oso, Vayim Shacheyu. They were Mamlachim, they anointed him. As the Radak says here, they, even though he didn't really need anointing because he's a Melech ben Melech, but as the Gemara says, whenever there's a, a question, who's going to be it? So because of the Machlokas of Atalyo, that's why they anointed him. They, they clapped hand to hand and they said, What do you mean clapped hand to hand? So again, the Mishmah Zosav says, think about the historical context. It's an unbelievable they thought David Melech is gone. They realize David Melech Yisrael He is the tikva of all, and he is the tikva of Geula. As we say, what do we say in the Haftorah again? Samcheinu Hashem Elokeinu Belyo Anavi Avdecha Over Malchus Beis David Mishichecha B'mheira Yavo V'yogeli Beinu Right, we, we, we rejoice because he is the symbol of our hope as we also talk about in in Kiddush Lavana. So what happens? Vatishma Atalia, after they anoint him and appoint him, Atalia hears about what's going on. Eskala Ratzina Am Vatabu Elah Beis Hashem She comes and joins she sees what's happening and she tears her clothing. If a tikra, kasher, kasher, she says, she says, a rebellion, a rebellion. And they say, well, you see what's about to happen. They grab her. The Yehoyada says, don't kill her on the base of Mingdash. So they take her out and Pasuk Tezayin, Vatumasham, she dies. Vayichros Yehoyada, Sabris, 
What happens then? Yoyada makes a new covenant. Bein Hamelah, Bein Hashem, Uvein Hamelah, Uvein Am. Everybody's in Lios Laam Lashem, Uvein Hamelah, Uvein Am. So we're committed to Hashem and we're committed to Yoash. Then they go and they destroy. There must have been more Baal that came up ever since, even though Yehu already destroyed. Vayitzu, they destroyed the Mizbechos and the slum of Shibru. This Matan Kohen Baal Matan, who is the Kohen of the Baal, they killed. And they took care of everything related. And finally, the last Pasuk, Everybody was happy. The city was quiet and tranquil. And they killed Atalia. Didn't they already kill Atalia? They a couple of psukim ago. Why Dafka did say here? Sir Yaakov Gabinetsky says, really, they took her out to be killed before. They didn't kill her yet. Because after all, what, what were they killing her for? Lachar, they were killing her midin, more b'malchus. So you have to have the king first. So that's why. First they were mom with the king. And after they mom with the king, so that's when, they, after they were mom with the king, so that's when they could kill her, midin, morid, b'malchus. Or, the fact that a king is not mor b'malchus, but a king is allowed to kill all umdina, right? Even without Edom, even without Hasra. So here too, he had to become a king first before he was able to, to, uh, to do that. Also, the Rishonim discuss, um, the Mepharshim actually, the Mishra Zav has quotes, uh, Achronim, uh, and that is, this happened on Shabbos. So did he, they kill her on Shabbos? You're allowed to kill somebody on Shabbos? Right, we know that's a mitzvah, the last mitzvah in Sefer Shmos, in Pasuk, Pasuk, and Vayakel. The chidach is kuf yudalid. Bez is allowed to put somebody to death on Shabbos. <laughs> so, the Akronim, again, uh, have different suggestions. Maybe it's only a midin. If it's a din, you're not allowed to kill on Shabbos. But if it's a din melech, which is not a din, or it's a din, maybe it's a din rodef, they wouldn't have killed her. She would have killed them beforehand. Either way, it would have been allowed in this in this context. Okay, so little by little, we're making our way back to getting a machos based David back. Now we have Yoash, as we'll see. Yoash is a, is a positive. He's going to do good in the eyes of Hashem, uh, mostly, as we will see. But we will continue with that, with Hashem, next time. Okay, we'll stop here as we continue through Sefer Malachim Base.